If you enjoy Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons will receive a thank you on the podcast, access to our Discord voice chat, and other perks. Just a few dollars per month can help support the podcast, including web hosting fees and equipment expenses. Thank you to all of our patrons for your support. You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all over the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, episode 65. I am your host, Jason Hoffman, joining us on the podcast this time after returning from what I can only assume is a epic trip trying to find the ice wall or, or, or something. Um, the best co-host that our budget can afford, Rich LaRusso. How you doing, Rich? <laughs> wow. That's, that's <laughs> the best co-host that our budget can afford. I I don't know if that's flattery or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go with it. Uh, it I'm well, doing great. <laughs> I meant it. I meant it in the best possible way, buddy. <laughs> no, I know you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's it's been crazy the last couple of months. Uh, a lot of a lot of weird stuff going on. We, uh, you know, um, dealing with uh, death death in the family, loss of a pet, all kinds of. It's just been insane. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I may sound happy, but it's, it's, it's been, been a tough summer. So I've, I've had a lot going on and, and, uh, you know, a lot of positive good things going on too. Well, sorry to, uh, sorry to hear about the bad stuff and, and, uh, hope things are smoothing out for you a little bit and, and, uh, getting better as time goes along anyway. Well, the wrenches are good therapy. I think uh, most of us can agree on that try to make them that way anyway yeah yeah and then you know sometimes the 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 physical pain of bashing your fingers is is a nice diversion take takes your mind off the other you know uh bigger bigger things in life i i agree i got a nice nice exhaust burn on my on my uh forearm (laughs) because you know tightening down those 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 band clamps when when the exhaust is hot you know really sets them in there well, um, yeah, guys, got to be careful with that. Luckily, I haven't had to uh, haven't had to mess with exhaust, but I know you and I have been talking a little bit over the past few days while you've been doing some ex- exhaust work on yours. Uh, you, I assume you've gotten that all buttoned up and everything's everything's good to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I've gone from you know about fifty exhaust leaks um, down to about ten. So, so it's good. Um, I actually went, um, downsized the, the exhaust pipe from a three inch pipe to a two and a half inch pipe. And, um, and this was after some, uh, some, some intense, uh, you know, taught just researching and, and by researching, obviously I didn't hit the engineering books. I, I talked to people in the community and, uh, people who built exhausts and a lot of feedback on, you know, what works good with our engines. And, and I was also on a little bit of a quest to quiet it down. Uh, as many compliments as I got on, on the three inch exhaust, um, just these, some of these long cross country trips I've been taking, um, I'm just numb, you know, when, it, when I get out and you, you drive a big diesel. So, you know, you know, the, the, that cabin time, you know, with the drone of an exhaust going can, can really just, 
great on your brain after a while. Yeah, I I am the the world's worst for uh, you know little rattles and squeaks and that kind of stuff or or anything constant like that. Uh, you know, exhaust drone or or anything like that. Just uh, it will uh, begin to seriously mentally affect me. I mean, just. It, go from as good a mood as I could be in at work to just being in a horrible mood just because of a, a squeak or a rattle going down the road. So yeah, I can, I can sympathize with you, but, uh, and somewhere out there, you know, especially in, with, you know, the, the trucking world and, 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 uh, all that, there's gotta be a study out there for, you know, how that stuff actually affects you subconsciously where you don't even realize it. And, and I'm, I have no doubt that something like that exists. Someone's probably done that. And of course, you know, screw all that, but needless to say, uh, it's, it's been a couple of days. I went on a few long rides to settle it in and, and make sure, you know, it was put together right. And, uh, it's much quieter. It, uh, in the cab, it's much quieter when, when I get on the gas, it's, it's loud still, but, um, it's a better loud. So now I think my Y pipe has either leaks at the gasket or maybe it's just time to retire. That Y pipe's about uh, 10 years old and, uh, it's a dug thoroughly. And I feel like I've, I was born with the thing. So, um, you know, kind of an expensive piece to replace if I have to replace it. But, uh, if I, if I see, I got to do another leak test now that now that the first leak test has passed and, and uh, see uh, see what I've come up with next and, and try and get that straightened out. Do you uh, up there in your part of the country, do you have to have your your vehicle inspected to get it registered and that kind of stuff? Uh, we do, but they stopped doing the tailpipe, you know, the what we call the sniff test where they put a uh, probe in the exhaust pipe, which, you know. Uh, that sounds a little awkward to say, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they they stopped doing that and they just plug in now. So as long as the uh, um, check engine light is on and it it the light has been off for I think it's like seventy five or maybe a hundred miles. I'm not really sure on how many miles, but the um, check engine light has to have been off for a certain amount of miles. So you can't just pull in the parking lot, reset it and send it in. So, um, that, that's all they're doing now. Um, will that change in the future? Probably. It, it probably will. I, I just brought it up. I didn't know whether the, uh, you know, whether the exhaust issues that you we were having were, uh, you know, in some some way, going to be going to affect being able to get the truck registered, or you know, if that was part of the issue, or if it was was all just uh, you didn't like the way it was. No, most it, it's all me. Um, but I should clear up that in my state, and I know some other states are like this. Every state's different. Um, we actually separate inspection from emissions testing so i the answer i gave you was regarding emissions testing um if the vehicle is over 15 years old it has to start going for inspection where you actually have to you know take it to you know the the dmv and they look under it with mirrors and they look for holes in the frame and you know that's when they can start getting on your case about mud flaps and tire sizes and and things like that. And, and I know in some regions of the world, 
just not to dwell off too far uh like in canada you can't even weld to the frame you're not allowed to because i i guess it could weaken the frame so um you know i know probably some of our listeners you know deal with different sort of issues in their area it's it's always interesting to me how that that stuff varies state to state um i know when i was a kid in in nebraska i remember my folks having to take vehicles in and get them inspected every year you know and and that kind of stuff and it just so happened that we had a uh, uh one of my dad's I think it was my dad's uncle. I don't remember for sure, but it was somebody within the family owned a place that that done inspections. So uh, my folks never had much to worry about when it come to come time to get a vehicle inspected. But they they stopped all that stuff back in the eighties, and uh, it it seems like it's coming around and getting to be getting to be more and more prevalent uh, all over the country. I know where I'm at in Tennessee, we don't have to worry about it, but. Uh, I, I, you know, see people online and, and used to on the forums all the time, see people talk about, you know, having to get a, having to get a, a rig ready to get it inspected and that kind of stuff. So just, uh, yeah. And, and up here, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, you know, the, the famous Northeast rust has something to do with, you know, why they have that 15 year rule. Um, now they actually, and I said, uh, we had to take it to DMV. I think they've changed that, and and now you can take it to a local shop that's authorized to do it. That's how emissions is done now, uh, and it's all done through computer. So you can't even pay the guy off. Like they read the VIN and and plug it into a computer, and you know they collect the fee and pass it on to to the DMV. Uh, I don't know how the actual you know I, I don't know how the shop makes you know, gets compensated because they have to get something. But I wonder if the inspections are done the same way. But, but yeah, it's all uh, computerized now. So when the VIN is entered and um, the vehicle is plugged into the ODB2 port, like that's all connected on the main to the mainframe. And, and so you, you, you can't even like, you know, s- slip the guy a six pack of beer and <laughs> get through the emissions right. anymore. Right. <laughs> Cause the, the, uh, you know, it's all, <clears throat> but it is what it is. And, 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 uh, that, that's the world we live in now. I, I guess in Australia, it's been in, in, uh, you've been seeing that stuff floating around social media a lot lately where they're really cracking down on, on lifted vehicles. I, I seen some posts about that. I, I really, uh, I know we've got a few listeners in Australia or we did at one time. Hopefully they're still, hanging in there and paying attention to what we do but if, if we've got anybody listening on in australia i i would really uh really like to talk to somebody down there because you know for years i, I always envisioned that, that that country is um very much like how we are in north america and kind of be being able to do um not necessarily whatever you want and that kind of stuff but i, I didn't realize until the past few years how how absolutely strict their laws are uh in in australia it's it's interesting to uh to see what those folks down there have to deal with to uh to enjoy the off-road hobby yeah and and you know they have like tire size limits so you you see the uh the folks you know enjoying their toyotas off-road down there and they're always on um, you know 31 32 
33-inch tires, and you say to yourself, well, how come these people just don't slap on some 35s like we do? Um, I And I don't think they can. I don't think they can be street legal. I know that Australia had some big issues legally with um, bumpers uh, several years back where I guess somebody got hit by a, a, a car with a with a big bull bar on it and you know they of course blame the the bull bar for the extent of the injuries that the person suffered when they were hit so you know look both ways when you cross the street right but generally when when really obnoxious laws like that come out there's you know some awful legal trail that you know i mean this is the reason we have tire pressure monitoring systems in, in cars now is because some fools couldn't couldn't check their their tire pressure before they went on a long road trip you know and australia is uh basically the eventuality of that um i think australia australians are, are some pretty tough wheelers because they have to accomplish everything they want to do you know with with what they're allowed to to own yeah somewhat limited means so to speak um yeah. Because they they don't uh, like you said they don't have don't have the freedom to build their build their trucks the way that we do here for sure. Yeah, and they have to be careful of you know racking the thing on a kangaroo. We complain about our deer and our moose and our stuff here, but you know they got emus and and uh, kangaroos and and all kinds of stuff just jumping out in the road over there. Not to mention enormous spiders. You know, um, all all kinds of scary stuff in Australia, but nothing so scary that makes me not want to go there because I really uh, bucket list item for me to uh, to make that journey someday. Absolutely, I had a friends that crossed the Simpson Desert several years back, and uh, he brought all his pictures and videos back. He did it in a. Uh, um, believe it was a 79 series land cruiser i may be mistaken but it, it just looked like a heck of a trip and it would you know it's a desert so there's that but um it's it, it's a lot of long distance you know desert driving and, and things like that like you picture in mad max or something like and uh the the intrigue of it you know i, I people down there got to be wired to be tough man you, <laughs> for sure just for with all sure. the na- natural you know that you've got the the climate you've got the beasts you've got uh you know um the 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 territory down there seems rough so a, a trip like that yeah before life is over I, I would love to uh bop around australia for several months now, one of my, pardon me, one of my best friends in high school, uh, I guess it's been, good Lord, probably 15, nearly 20 years ago, he, he uh, met a gal in Australia and, and actually ended up moving over there and has been over there since. And uh, he, uh, when we were in high school, um, he actually played a pretty big role in me getting kind of involved in not necessarily off-roading at the time. I guess it was because it was riding dirt bikes and motorcycles and that kind of stuff. And he he does a lot of exploring around Australia on a dual, dual sport motorcycle. And mm. uh, I always enjoy seeing his pictures and stuff on, on Facebook. He's not, not into the off-road scene in the same way that, that we are, but uh, he, he still gets out on his 
out on his dual sport and, and check stuff out and kind of a amateur photographer of sorts and posts a lot of pictures and that kind of stuff. So it's it's cool to follow along with him and see some of the uh, some of the countryside that, that Australia has to offer. Like I said, it is it is definitely a bucket list item of mine to get down there at some point. So Yeah. Yep. And you know the the toilets swirl in a different direction down there. Have you ever heard this? I've heard that, but I've also heard it was a myth. So it it is. It is. But they get a kick out of it. So Well, I uh I promise if I go down there I won't drink any fosters cuz I'm smart enough to realize that <laughs> they don't drink fosters in Australia that that's a They make it in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All that uh all that fun stuff. I've heard enough of that over the years to uh, to not make a, not to say that I won't make a complete fool out of myself, but I, I know a little bit to, to help avoid making a fool out of myself. But anyway. I, do they even have it there? I think they do, but it's, they claim that the only people that drink it are, are foreigners. Tourists. They can, yeah. they can always pick out a tourist by the, you know, the fact that they're drinking Foster's. Yeah. Uh, when I go to a place, the last thing I want to do is go to what I can get at home. I want to right. drink what the lo- locals are drinking right. and eat what the locals are eating. Oh. Well, anyway, have you suppose we've bored the listeners enough about our trip to Australia that neither one, neither one of <laughs> us have taken? Imaginary <laughs> trip. To, and the trips to Australia that we're living vicariously through other people. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, tell us about your dreams of going to Australia. Right, right. <laughs> it seemed to me like we we did had a long conversation about being happy exploring the you know the continent that we live on, and here we both are sitting here talking about you know our our dreams of going somewhere else. Uh, for, well, for, you know, you, you you look at the years going by, and you say to yourself, hmm. <laughs> I better get on this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, our uh, our company here that we work for, they every five years they pay for us to uh, to take a vacation, and uh, I'm starting to think that's the only time they want us to go on vacation. But uh, every five years, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it it's really a nice deal. They they uh, pay uh, you just kind of pick wherever you want to go. I mean, they they have a budget that it, that it has to fit in and and that kind of stuff but uh the wife and i were talking a month or so ago about we're we're going to be coming up on our second one here before uh for too long and uh kind of starting to toss around ideas about what we what we might want to do the next next go around we went to went to cancun last time and uh, had a good time but not uh in an effort to not not repeat things again i'd like to try something different so maybe we'll uh Maybe we'll be able to swing a trip then. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And that would be a good choice. But, you know, it's like a 26-hour plane ride. Yeah, that's that's the one uh, one kicker for it with me trying to get my wife to go is uh, she'll get on a plane, but she isn't happy about it. And uh, our trip to Mexico was probably the longest she's been on a plane and when I told her that it was like a 25, 26-hour flight to, uh, to Australia, she she wasn't impressed with that at all. So. Well, you know, there's always FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
How, uh, how much trouble are you trying to get me into here, buddy? <laughs> oh, you, you could get in trouble just fine on your own. You don't need I, my help. I don't need your help, yes. <laughs> I can't actually get you in worse trouble than you can get yourself into. So we're good. We're good. This is true. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> where's Andy? Where, where's Andy Scott? Well, he was supposed to be be with us here tonight, but uh, evidently he was dealing with a flooding air conditioner. I think he said something along those lines. He had an emergency come up that he couldn't uh, couldn't take part. Maybe he's just tired of us. Maybe he didn't want to do the do the podcast anymore. I don't know. He he just needs to tilt the thing and get online. <laughs> I, I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't think it could be anything that serious, but, you know, I'm sure. He'll. So um, I noticed uh, on, on Facebook you had some, some repairs and some, some project-y things going on. Well, the last time I was home, Andy and I talked about it in the last episode, but the last time I was home, I got uh, finally got the Forerunner back on, on uh, all fours and uh, moving around, had to uh, do a... Ended up having to do a wheel bearing in the front on top of everything else that was being problematic with it. And I decided while I had the entire front end apart that uh, I've always had a little bit of tire rub on the front, even with all the hammering of pinch welds and that kind of stuff that I've done over the years. And, and uh, ended up cutting part of the firewall out and moving the firewall back about an inch and a half on both sides, or a section of it anyway. <laughs> To, uh, <laughs> what rabbit hole did you go down? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually something that's pretty common in the, the first-gen Tacoma and, and third-gen Forerunner world it is kind of tubbing the, tubbing the firewall. Uh, <laughs> not, not as common as doing like a body mount chop or something like that on a 120 series or anything, but if you're going right. to run 35s, you're going to have clearance issues. It's, that's all there is to it. And like I said, I had beat this knot out of mine enough that it, it, as a general rule, it only rubbed at, at the most extreme positions. But uh, the, I put yet another different set of wheels on the, on the Forerunner. I, I seem to have an obsession with, with wheels on that truck for some reason. But put a different set on there, and, and they were relatively close to the same backspacing as, as wheels that I've ran in the past with that issue. But evidently, they were just different enough that uh, they were were getting into the into the firewall and the the uh, rocker panel in a way that previous wheels had not. And uh, like I said, it was a project that I had been wanting to do for a long time anyway, just to to gain that extra clearance. And I thought, eh, well, it's in here. I'll just tackle it and get it done. So yeah. So is it? Do you move? the entire firewall back or is it just like the bottom where the tires just are? just the bottom bottom edge i cut um i cut about an inch and three quarter out of the out of the rocker panel and then kind of tapered up about eight inches up the firewall and moved that back uh, just kind of angled that back to where i where i had cut the uh cut the rocker panel at the bottom so and you don't you don't notice it from the inside like you're you're you don't have to move your seat back a notch or anything. No, like um, some guys do it enough where they have to uh, the little clips that hold the uh, uh, 
the kick panel covers and that kind of stuff. Some guys move them back so much that they have to trim the the kick panel covers and that kind of stuff. Mine, I I did not didn't move it back that far. Uh, just enough to just enough to clear what you have to clear. Right, just just enough anymore. to get a little little extra clearance out of it. And, and honestly, I may regret not. Uh, not cutting it back further if they still rub it's going to be going to be frustrating but it, it's it's going to be better than it's ever been in the past even with what little bit i with what little bit i did so uh worth worthwhile job but i may may wish i would have done a little bit more but it was uh the more frustrating thing to me was i i had uh one of the first modifications i did to my forerunner when i bought it was uh i built a set of sliders for it and They've been on there ever since. They've worked. I've beat the snot out of them. They've held up fantastic. But um, when I made them, I made them a little bit too long. And uh, I actually cut the rocker panel far enough, back far enough that I had to uh, had to do some refabricating on my, on my uh, rock sliders because my sliders were longer at that point than my rocker panel was in the front. So had to... Uh, had to trim the sliders back a little bit and kind of recap the ends on them and that kind of stuff. I'm hoping to cut all that stuff off and and uh, if the uh, price of tubing ever settles down where it's not uh, so stupendously high, I'm hoping to buy a couple of sticks of tubing and make up a new set of rock sliders for it. Something I'm a little happier with and and uh, get them a little closer to the the length that I I know they should be now instead of just kind of doing what looked like it needed done when I did it several years ago. So, Well, that's pretty cool. Um, so now you've got the uh, Southern Cruiser Crawl coming up. You're, you're going to that, right? Yeah. Yep, headed down there next, uh, uh, when is it? October 11th through the 14th, I think. But, yeah. yeah, That's that just was, a couple of weeks away, really. Yep, yep time is sneaking up fast. I'm, I'm hoping to... Uh, have a little bit of home time between now and then uh it, it, just a a day or so um long enough to get my uh my tow rig and my trailer ready to go or make sure they're ready to go just kind of kind of do a once over on everything and and make sure everything's up to par and ready to go and and i've got a couple of little small projects to to wrap up on the on the forerunner but for the most part all the big stuff's done and and uh I can go with it as it as it is, you know. If the other stuff doesn't uh, doesn't get wrapped up, it's not not going to be a kill going to the event kind of a deal. It'll just be. Yeah, it'll be I was going to say it's, it's probably going to feel good to get back in the saddle on the Forerunner. Absolutely, um, you know. I, I mentioned it in the last episode when Andy and I were chatting that I, I haven't went wheeling since April of this year, and wow. uh, it's. Uh, the forerunner's been sitting sitting in the shop since then, so yeah, I, I am really looking forward to uh, to getting it back out on the trails and and just trying to have a little fun with it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can take it easy enough on it that nothing gets tore up and and holds together. My uh, my one fear is two weeks after Southern Cruiser Crawl is STLCA's annual annual meeting. And uh, I don't want to break the darn thing and and have to to sit out the annual meeting. That is that's one of my favorite wheeling trips of the year. And and uh, last thing I want is to have a broke truck while I'm at that event or not not event, but at the meeting anyway. Well, 
don't break it. <laughs> <laughs> Easier said than done when it comes to me, it seems like. So, <laughs> well, you got all the all the stuff ironed out. So, uh, you know, maybe you'll uh, <clears throat> actually uh, get to enjoy it without anything sneaking up on you. Yeah, hopefully everything is. Uh, every, hopefully everything's up to par. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to sweat it any more than I ever have. If it breaks, I'll fix it again and and uh, go from there. But great, not uh, not going to get too shook about it. Um. So what else do we have going on here? Let's see. Let's look at our master list for this episode. We've got uh, we've got an interview. We do. We do have an interview. Um, I sat down with, uh, sat down and did an interview with Joey Romero from, uh, Absolute Wits End, uh, a few weeks back. And, uh, Rich, are you at all familiar with, with, uh, Joey or, or Absolute Wits End? I, I've looked at the, uh, website before, yeah. They, uh, for our listeners that aren't just a, a brief description of what Joey does, they, he kind of started out doing, uh, uh, I want to say making brackets and stuff for uh, a York air compressor to uh, to mount it on a 3F, I think, in a 80 series Land Cruiser, and the uh, the business has just grown from there. And he makes all kinds of uh, onboard air stuff and and getting delving out more and more into uh, more into the marketplace, uh, especially Land Cruiser stuff, and kind of kind of exciting. Uh, Joey talks about it a little bit in the. Uh, in the interview, he's actually working on a, a kit to uh, uh, a turbo kit for an 80 series Land Cruiser. So uh, he's pretty excited about that. And I know there's a lot of people within the community that are, are looking forward to him getting that put together. I think it's going to be be kind of a cool deal when he when he gets it all wrapped up and, and gets everything dialed in and, and working like it's supposed to. But uh, yeah, we, we've got that interview for sure. Cool. And uh, after that, we'll... Uh We've got some other stuff, so stay tuned. All righty. We'll jump into the interview. What does stay tuned mean? Like, do people actually change channels? They switch over to other podcasts and then come back? Let's hope not. Not too any tuning going on. You said it. I did. I did. And then I regretted saying it. Okay. Well, here's the interview, folks. All righty, folks. Joining us on the podcast right now is uh, somebody that I've been looking forward to talking to for quite a while, uh, Mr. Joey Romero from from Wits End. Uh, th- thanks for for giving us a little bit of time here today, Joey. Oh, no worries. Um, just getting getting right into things. Um, take uh, if you don't mind, take a few minutes and, and kind of fill the listeners in a little bit on where the idea for for Wits End came from and and uh, kind of the some of the early products. I mean, I know I know the products that that I seen that caught my eye that 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 you you handle, but just kind of give the listeners a little bit, a brief history of of where Wits End came from. Oh, geez. Okay, so. Um, Woodsend officially uh, started life in 2014, um, but I didn't start shipping anything until 2015. 
Um, the the name itself actually started because, um, oh geez, I guess it was in 2014. I was having really bad overheating problems with uh, with my truck, and I had uh, just rebuilt it, um, and I spent a crap load of money rebuilding it uh, because I just I went I went through everything. I increased the piston size. I bored and honed um, the throttle body. I had blueprinted the head. I had, I, you know, re- rebuilt it, you know, top to bottom. But I had rebuilt it knowing that I was going to be adding a supercharger onto it. And being in Southern California, knowing, well, if I'm going to be adding a supercharger onto this, I know I'm going to be overheating a little bit more. But I didn't realize I was going to be, you know, going into no man's land with my overheating problems. And so the... The thread that I started on I Hate Mud was um, something like, um, I'm at my absolute wit's end, uh, I'm, I'm overheating, or something something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And basically, the that's where everything just kind of started. I was at my wit's end. I had, I had gotten to the point to where I don't know how to solve this issue. How do I solve this issue? And, and the people that that uh, there was a lot of people that that were um, posting onto the thread trying to help me solve it. And so I was trying to go through it methodically and taking every single one of the suggestions and basically taking each one of them down to, you know, whatever, wherever it led me, you know, everything to, you know, taking out the, you know, the thermostat, boiling it in water, testing it with temperature, uh, getting a brand new thermostat, boiling that in water, um, and, and testing its temperature um, and seeing when it opens, when it closes, you know, all these different things that test, okay, well, where is my problem coming in from? And, oh, my gosh, I went through so many different um, little possible solutions to try and solve my problem. And it, it started – I started laughing that, you know, if I, if I ever was going to start another company, it would definitely have to be called Wits End. And – and so when I did finally have the opportunity, um, I finally I finally said, well, what send it is? Uh, and of, of course, you know, what send has been around for a, a few hundred years uh, as far as a uh, the, the nomenclature. And so uh, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do for trademarking purposes. I wasn't sure what I was going to do for naming, for the website and all that. And so everything was taken and, and I finally – uh, went with uh, Absolute Wits End because that's where I got the, the name from is that thread that I started. I'm at my Absolute Wits End. Um, the the reason why I have the apostrophe on the on the to the right of the S, so it's W I T S apostrophe E N D, is because I've always hated that the spelling was typically W I T apostrophe S, uh, assuming that. A, an individual has one wit about them. I uh, I always I always saw myself and 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 others as having more than one wit. So they have their wits about them. And so when I come to my end of my wits, it's not one wit I'm at the end of. It's multiple wits I'm at my end of. So that's where the that's where the the name itself came from. Um, the very first product that 
I wanted to make was the uh, fire extinguisher mount, and and that's that's one of the very first things that I that I did um, along with the um, the APU two, which was um, a, an organizer that goes underneath the the armrest of the 80 series Land Cruiser. Uh, but I wanted to do the fire extinguisher mount because I had, um, unfortunately, um, come across a burning car where I watched the woman inside burn to death. And I, after experiencing that, I knew that I never, ever, 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 ever wanted um, myself to be in that position again where I was so helpless to where I had nothing and nobody had anything on them to, to help, you know, this poor woman in the burning car. Um, and so the very first thing I started doing was building myself a fire extinguisher mount. Um, and I knew when I built it that, um, I didn't want it in the back of the truck. It's like, this is stupid. Why am I putting a fire extinguisher mount in the back of the truck? I have to stop the truck. I have to unlatch myself from the seatbelt. I have to get out of the truck. I have to run to the back of the, the truck. I have to open up the, the, the tire carrier. I have to open up the latch. I have to open I have to, you know, put down the, the tailgate. I have to uh, unlock the uh, drawers. I have to pull out the drawer. I have to, I have to hunt for a, a, a fire extinguisher mount that's rolling around in the back of the drawer. It's like, this is not going to work. That fire is now doubled or tripled in size in the time that my idiot self is trying to hunt down a, a fire extinguisher that I'm sure is in the back of the drawer. Um, and I thought, no, th there's a better way. And that better way is I want this thing as close to me as possible as I'm in the driver's seat. And that meant putting it basically at my heels. And I was initially worried about the location of this thing because, oh, man, this thing's in the footwell. Um, and this thing's right at my feet. It's like this, this could be a problem. And so now I have to take everything to its logical conclusion. Okay, how could this be a problem? How could this be um, an issue? You know, what can I do to make it so that it's not a problem? What can I do to make sure that, you know, other people won't have a problem? You know, what happens if I step on it? What happens if it's in the sun? What happens? And so it took me, oh gosh, uh, six months easily of just constant testing. Uh, driving with it, realizing what I liked, didn't like. Um, I had ordered, uh, I think, it was, I don't remember what the final number was, but I think it was about 28 different fire extinguisher mounts and brackets. Like every one that you can possibly imagine that's that's out there. Everything from Safecraft to Drake um, to, uh, to even the kitty ones. It didn't matter. I ordered them all. And when it came to fire extinguisher bottles, I ordered every single one pound to two and a half pound um, three, three inch uh, diameter bottle I can get my hands on every single one. And it was a little over 30. Um, and because I needed to understand about the handle, I needed to understand about the nozzle, I needed to understand about the gauge and the mounting and its position. And, and so I, I started making it so that, you know, the poor individual at the under the end of this is like, well, how are they going to mount this thing? How are they going to position this thing? So I took the guesswork out of it for them. I, with all the mounts, there's now at the front of the fire extinguisher mount, there's all these different mounting holes, and each one corresponds to a different type of mount. 
and I made sure to position that mount exactly where the fire extinguisher itself needed to be so that it's not in the way, so that the handle doesn't get in the way, so that the nozzle's not in the way, and so that the gauge is um, can be seen. And, and mounting it itself, I needed to make sure, you know, what happens if I step on it? What happens if, you know, I hit it with my feet? And before long, it got to a point where, like, you know, I shouldn't be trying to avoid this thing. This thing's in a 14-gauge steel bracket. I'm using um, eight steel um, screws to hold it on. It's in a steel or phenolic um, plastic um, mount. It's in a steel um, fire extinguisher bottle. And I just started using it as a step. And it started becoming something that's like I liked having because – when I'm on long – and look, I'm here in Southern California, so everything for me is, you know, hundreds of miles away to get to where I need it to go. And so what do I do? I put it in cruise and I put my feet up. And you get to a point you're like, you know what, this works. This is this is something I want. But I had to do so much testing with it to make sure that the end user would be okay with – what was in my head. So there's all this testing methodology that goes through and you get to a point you're like, all right, you know what? I, I can't find anything else that's bad, anything else that's just wrong. I need to just finally just pull the trigger. And when I finally, finally did that, there's, there's, you know, the economies of scale that, that, that come into light to where, you know, I I was in, you know, the, the manufacturing world most of my life and I just knew that, you know, making one or ten of these is kind of stupid. It would just, it's just cost prohibitive. Um, and, and so if I were to make 50 of these or 100 of these, it'd probably be a lot better and a lot easier. And, and the end result of it would look a lot better because then I could use more um, uh, of what CNC equipment would uh, – allot me as far as as looks aesthetics uh, and and what that final feel of it's going to look like as opposed to you know me in my garage with my you know my manual brake and you know me with a, a a plasma cutter trying to make this stuff it just it just wouldn't look good and and it wouldn't look professional and it wouldn't it wouldn't feel professional and so between that fire extinguisher mount and that accessory panel unit, those are the very first two things that um, I came up with and said, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe a couple people will like this. And 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 honestly, the only reason uh, the only reason I started continuing down that path is that I kept thinking, this is dumb. If I'm making one thing or two things, I may as well stop now because there's no money in this. There's absolutely no money in this. Um, there's only frustration, and and I thought it, I, I better commit myself a little bit more into uh, making this more of a um, of a real company and and developing more products and, and take this seriously, or else not even get started. And so it just kind of all snowballed from there. Very cool. It, it uh, it's interesting, you know that that. The, the the phrase necessity is the mother of all inventions and, and and that kind of stuff is kind of a cliche thing to say but um it, it's really cool to to know I, I told you this before we started recording that 
that there are, are, are people like you out there that that uh, don't just see a problem for a problem. Um, they they want to to find a real solution to those problems, and and like your your fire extinguisher mount that you were were talking about. Um, that kind of stuff is, you know, there's there's so many of us out out here that want that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, for each of us to, you know, for everybody that wants it to individually have to to find a solution to it would be a would be a nightmare. So to to have somebody like you out there that uh, is willing to dig into that kind of stuff and and find realistic uh, realistic fixes to those problems is is a huge. Uh, huge attribute to the, uh, to the community. Um, just uh, continuing to move, move along a little bit. I know the, the, the products that you offer that I, you know, when I first noticed Wits End and, and uh, you in general were some of your onboard air, uh, accessories were, were those things that, that came from your own desire to have those or, or, was that kind of the community saying, "Hey, hey, Joey, figure this out"? Uh, well, a lot of it started with the um, um, with the York um, onboard air mount, and so the York bracket and the York pulley; um, those are not my original design. Those, gosh, I mean, we're talking about designs that have been around for probably fifteen years. The problem is the it's been, you know, redone by so many different people, and each time it it brought about its own um, series of particular issues that that folks were you know constantly having to work around, and so um, a couple of years ago I I just said you know what I can do this better. Um, and, and and you know here's how I could I could redesign it for this I could um, I can eliminate this issue I can you know all these little different things that I, I knew needed to happen um, and on the on the manufacturing pro- part of it I knew already well you know look t- um, uh, throwing a, a a block of a six inch block of uh, build aluminum onto a CNC lathe is no big deal. Um, anybody can do that, but now you have a problem of, you know, which belt are you going to use? Well, if you're going to use a Toyota OEM belt, well, it has a different width. It has a different pitch. It has all these different things that go along with it, um, as opposed to using, say, a, a Deco or a Gates belt. Um, and so all those things come into play when you're using a, an aluminum pulley. And so in the, in the original the original versions of them, these things were just regular aluminum pulleys. But um, before long, one of the things that I started realizing for, uh, it came from my early productions and also, and this is all before Wits End, and and the productions um, for uh, from other people is, you know, keeping these things in raw aluminum wasn't the ideal solution. So when when everything started coming under the Wits End umbrella, I thought, okay, if I'm going to go down this route and now if I'm going to productize this, this needs to be better. How do I make it better? Well, the first step was taking that aluminum pulley and um, making sure that it was sized um, appropriately for 
the uh, for Toyota belts and 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 accommodating some of the issues that other people have seen. So I did that. I uh, I anodized it, type two um, anodize, and that's to help um, uh, tap down the um, the wear issue that people were seeing when it was unanodized. Um, just because the belt would just you know carve through the aluminum pulley. Um, and then the bracket itself had its, had its own series of issues that I, I knew that um, needed a change, so I started doing that. But that was only one piece of the puzzle. And so everybody was left to their own devices. Okay, great. I mounted a York 210 compressor to my 80 Series 1FZ Land Cruiser. Yay me. Now what do I do? There was nobody out there that was making solutions for what you do next. Now, years ago, there was there was a there was a man named John Kilby, and Kilby Enterprises that made a lot of onboard air compressors and and onboard air accessories for the Jeep and the Dodge uh, world. But uh, Kilby sold his stuff to some other off road shop, and you know that it all basically went into the ether somewhere. But there was still no solutions on the Toyota side of things. And, gosh, you get to the point to where you start reading all of these people's trials and tribulations trying to get where they, where, where they go. And I just laugh because I would look at the top of their compressor and they have, you know, 15 different fittings to get – out to a hose that they needed to go to, and it's like, what the heck? Why? Why is there all this stacked fittings? Oh, it needs to go from a three-quarter or a three-quarter inch, you know, NPT to a thirty-seven degree compression fitting going to, you know, an eight AN, and then it's got to adapt to an O-ring style going to another. What? Hold on. There's definitely got to be a better way of doing this. And so. Once I solved that one issue, I thought, well, if I'm doing this, what's next in line? You know, what are what is it that people what's gonna prevent people from wanting to install a York compressor onto their rig? Well, how do they distribute the air? You know, how do they filter it? Well, if you have a if you have a York 210, anybody that has them and they use it for air, they already know. That the R210s are, you know, internally um, oil lubricated. They don't get lubricated lubrication through the Freon run the way literally every other air compressor does. Um, I think there's a Sandin 510 somewhere that, that also is internally lubricated, but all, almost all other AC compressors are all get lubricated um, through the the Freon path. The York 210 does not, um, and so. The problem with the York is that you get oil blow-by, oil blow-by by, from the pistons. That's just that's just a normal effect of the compressor. And so having oil run through your air system, well, if you're using air tools, that's not such a bad thing. Um, but if you're not running air tools, um, do you want oil or, if anything else, do you want condensate? Condensate, you know, running through your tires? No. So I knew you needed a way to filter that out. So the problem is, is that most people were were mounting like they were going to Harbor Freight, and they were getting these uh, polycarbonate 
um, or plastic um, bowls and just using that as a coalescing filter. And after seeing these things in use, A, they would almost always melt. Um, just because the York 210 has such high pressure and high heat that you that it's there's no way to mitigate that uh, without using a a metal bowl and uh, metal filter media. You can't use plastic, and so like okay, well how, how do we get around this? You know, and luckily there's you know some you know much smarter people than myself on mud that you know help me find and figure out and experiment you know which coalescing filter that was. But guess what? I have a filter. How in the heck do I mount this onto the truck? And it wasn't how do I mount it because here's the thing. I have a supercharger on my truck. The supercharger wants to be where the York is. I don't even have a York onboard air compressor on my own truck. I was trying to solve this problem for other people. This wasn't even for myself. And, and I remember going down this path thinking, what am I doing? Why – why do I continually go down this path when I don't even get to enjoy the fruits of my own labor here? But there were people that legitimately had a problem. It's like, well, this is really cool. I got this bracket and I've got this this twenty pound air compressor sitting uh, on the you know floating off the head. But what do I do now? You know, how do I get to that next point? And there's a lot of people I talk to that's like, well, I've had it. I've had it installed in my truck for two years. I just I've never figured out how to set it up. And, and you, I got to the point where it's like, you know what? No, I, I need to figure this out for other people because not everybody has, you know, the tools um, available to figure this out on themselves for themselves. So basically taking this this filter and like, OK, how would this thing mount? If this was me, how would I mount this? And so I finally came up with a, a design that um, my mechanical engineer friend um, and I finally came up with and says, oh, well, what if we just did this? It's like, oh, my God, love it, love it. And so machined a bunch of those, and, and it, was, it was a winning solution. Okay, great. Now we got that. Where do we, what do we do with the air after that point? Well, we need, it needs to go to an air manifold. It needs a blow-off valve, a safety valve. It needs, it needs an air gauge. Um, it needs, you know, it needs an anti-blowback, um, um, not an anti-blowback, but an anti-siphon uh, valve. So basically, it acts, acts as a one-way check valve, so, and, and that way it just keeps pressure on the the head of the compressor. Um, and so, all these different things, it, I laugh because um, I can visualize that I have this big tote in my garage right now that is all my, my, my failed Frankenstein experiments um, where I, I have, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how many different air manifolds. I can't tell you how many different adapters. I can't tell you how many different um, uh, safety valves and, um, and and switches and, and gauges and all these different things that I started piecing together. And, you know, you finally get to a point where you're like, ah, this works but it looks like garbage. All right. How do I take something that, you know, utilizes, you know, 35 pieces and, 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 you know, simplify it down to, you know, 10 pieces and, and how do I make a mount for it so that it just looks better, you know, so it looks unassuming. So it looks like it belongs there. And so, 
you know, it was it was taking out all these pieces and and finding, you know, basically the same blow off valve, but it needs to be threaded, you know, without using a reducer. Uh, it needs to be the same gauge, but I need to have a, you know, one and one eighth inch bezel, not a two inch bezel. Oh, it needs to be the same blow off, but I want to use, you know, three eighths, you know, NPT um, rather than quarter inch because of X reason. And then I want it to be, you know, mounted off the fender well, and I want it to be easy to use. So I'm going to hide it all underneath the metal to where it's just a, all it is is just a switch to turn on the compressor and and the gauge. And and you get to that point, and you're like, okay, that's great. Now, how does the person get air out of this? And so now you're like, okay, well, let me take it to its next logical conclusion. Um, that's where I started making the air coupler brackets because. Initially, I was just like, oh, okay, well, this is simple. It just goes through a bulkhead. You drill in a three-quarter inch hole, here's a bulkhead, there you go, there's your air fitting. Well, I did that. And within about four hours of me doing that, guess what I did? I stepped on it. Not on purpose, on accident. And I cracked the stupid fitting. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is dumb. So that's where I went down this path of, okay – let me let me make one that's that's a, has a a, um, a guarded fitting. Let me make one that has, that's a straight fitting for those people that want to mount it on, on say their 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 drawer system. Let me make one with a ninety degree in case they want to put it underneath something or whatever. And then I started thinking about it. And it's like, well, hold on. If everybody's going to be mounting this onto the outside of their vehicle, then I need to not make this thing out of steel. I need to make this thing out of stainless. Not just stainless, I didn't make it out of 316 stainless um, because, you know, people live by the ocean. Um, we have to worry about salt water, all this other stuff. And if I'm going to do that, I have to use 316, all 316 hardware. Um, and then I need to powder coat it. And then I need to do – so I have to take all these things that keep coming up. I keep thinking, okay, what are the problems that they can probably or possibly – or, or likely run into. Okay, well, uh, here's a solution for that. Here's a solution for that. Here's a solution for that. And uh, you finally get to this point. You're like, ah, oh, okay, I think I'm good. Until one guy says, "Hey, I needed a way to uh, um, to cap off the um, the coupler." And so, and and he wasn't talking to me. He was just spouting off on on one of the threads. He said, "So I, I took the bottoms out of my crutch." Uh, for when I broke my ankle, and I use that um, to plug up the, uh, the end of the coupler so that nothing gets inside. And I looked at that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I do not want the bottom of somebody's stupid crutch to be on the end of one of my products because it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like I screwed up. It's going to feel like I didn't think about something. It's going to feel like... Like like this was my solution was okay. You have to buy the bottom of a, of a of a crutch to to go over this coupler, and it's like I can't do that. So that's where the pacifiers came in, and so um, I had machined out um, um, for the Parker fittings that I was using, um, and I went I picked very 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 specific Parker fittings um, because it, you only needed one hand to push it in, and and instead of you know, requiring you to, to use two hands on a typical coupler where you're pulling back the, the sleeve, pushing it in, releasing the sleeve. I wanted to just be able to just push in and, and have a go. And, you know, there's a lot of them that now 
now do that. But at the time, Parker was 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 the the go to. So I started making these little pacifiers that plug into that using an O ring. I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. This is perfect. I'm happy. Until ARB. All ARB stuff is completely, you know, non-standard. They use their own standard for everything. And so it didn't work for any of the ARB hoses or ARB compressors. So then I had to go back to drawing board and and um, design and make fittings for um, the ARB um, couplers. So now that's why I have two different ones. And, you know, you finally get to a point to where it's like, wow, I now have everything soup to nuts a to z it's like the only thing that i don't carry it at this point or don't manufacture is the hose um that somebody used to put into you know the tires why don't i do that because i'm trying not to do another me too product there's hundreds of other companies doing the exact same thing branding their own thing i didn't want to do just another one of the same thing but now for those individuals who are trying to figure out what their system is or trying to figure out what they need or trying to to evaluate what their system is, it doesn't matter now if they're going with a York system. It doesn't matter now if they're going with an ARB system, a Viair, an Extreme Air. It doesn't matter. They can pick whatever onboard air system that they want. But now there's a provider out there that 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 says ah well if this is what you're going to be doing and you're going to be hard mounting it um here's the next step um here's how you can make this more usable and it it never came about as how can i sell more crap i never go about it like that i i don't that's not the way i think i think more of of okay what's how can i take this to its next logical conclusion what's what is a possible issue that that somebody could be facing that i can make sure that they can uh, i can can eradicate and 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 or that they don't have to come up to because um all that does is lead to their frustration you know if, if somebody's spending hundreds of dollars into a solution they want a solution they want to be able to uh, um, you know be like the way most people are and they want that immediate gratification of, of i want on bread air and I want to be able to bolt it up, plug it in, and I want to be able to use it. And and I try and think like that. I try and because I'm like that. Um, and and I know I can't always get that. And sometimes, you know, I have to sit there and tinker for hours and days and weeks and months to get to the point to where that person can say, ah, okay, well, I'll just go to wit's end because I need that immediate gratification. I need that soup to nut solution. I need. Um, you know, whatever it is that I that I need for for onboard air, I know that this is where I can go. It it sounds like with with all your products that you are not content with just finding something that that works. Um, that that you really go the extra mile to to um to cover all the all the bases. Um, I know, again, when, when, when I kind of came across Wits End, I, I guess would have been about the time that you were, were kind of re-engineering or, or engineering the, I believe he called it a pacifier for the, uh, for the ARB stuff is, is kind of when I first noticed, noticed the company and just researching it a little bit then, um, and seeing some of the, 
the cool stuff that that you were doing that it didn't seem like any anybody else was putting the uh, putting the effort into. And like like you said, uh, there's many solutions to to some of these problems, but to to have somebody like you and and your company that that goes through the effort of kind of a to z taking care of a problem especially something like onboard air and covering it start to finish that's that's really cool oh thanks i hate not having an answer to pro i'm less concerned about you know look i'm not trying to find a solution for everybody's problem that's that's not what i'm trying to do um but i hate for myself when i look at something and i don't have an answer for it. I don't have a solution for it. And, um, you know, it's funny coming back to your point about the, um, you know, redesigning something, or whatever it's, I'm, I'm very, very, very in tune to, uh, customer's feedback. And so when I do like reproduction of something, um, I, I take every bit of what people say and recommend and ask for or complain about, and I, I utilize every single one of those into the next version of that. Um, s- there are many things that make total sense. And it's like, holy crap, why didn't I think of that? And it and it's embarrassing sometimes because it, I'll look at them like, oh, my gosh, why did I not think about that? And, and it's and it and I feel like garbage for it. And then there's other times it's like, you know what, that's that's actually a really good idea. And I'm glad that they brought it up. And I'm glad that that they trust me enough with the with with the information to 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 even tell me about it, so that I can make you know a, a version change, and so that I can incorporate those, those those differences in the next version of it. Look, because I I want these things to get better. I want these things to improve, and it's always improving. Um, I I definitely do not rest on my laurels on anything. Um, in fact, everything that's out there right now. I generally don't talk about a lot is I'm still working on next versions of those things, but there's sometimes not enough of a change for me to make the revision change for the production. There's, or I haven't figured out, you know, uh, uh, a solution for something that, um, that, that, that nags me, but the, the, the production version that I have for that particular version is good enough. No, I shouldn't say good enough. Good enough's a bad. I, I don't. I don't like good enough. Good enough to me is never good enough. Um, it's there. There needs to be a compelling reason for me to do um, version changes, and generally, it's because I miss something, and missing something drives drives me insane, um, and and it's because. I don't want people to be, you know, I don't want people to be stuck. I don't want people to, to feel like they got, you know, sold a bill of goods. I don't want people to feel like, oh, this doesn't work for me. This sucks. Um, and and a perfect example is um, when I was doing my quarter panel mounts, um, I designed it for the um, ARB twin so that you could, you know, natively mount it in there. Well, lo and behold, um, it worked in my truck. Uh, but it didn't work in anybody else's, and for reasons I really don't know. Um, it could have been because mine was a Lexus version versus the LC, the regular Toyota version. Who knows? Um, but I had to really quickly redesign, even though all of the panel mounts were already out there. 
and it's not like I can call you know recall them all back and 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 redo them. It's, there's the, that was not an option. Um, so instead, you know, came up with this little you know intermediate wedge design, a little block plate that allows you to you know mount this thing flat still and still you know basically move the whole compressor down um, into a pocket, basically into a recess where you get more clearance. And sometimes you have to work really, really, really quickly on your toes to find these really quick solutions. But you know that was a, that was something that you know took a week's time, ultimately to rectify. But even though I'm trying to solve a problem that I myself created, because why? I didn't research enough. I didn't I didn't look into something enough. Um, and and here's somebody who is stuck. You know. And, and you hate to see somebody stuck. You hate to see that. It, it's this constant battle of, of taking care of the people that have needs for the stuff that you already have, but also taking care of the needs for the people for um, finding products for, you know, for, for, you know, solutions they didn't, you know, they, they didn't know they had problems of, you know, yet until, you know, you come up with something. Well, I, I think, though, that once, um, when word gets around that you're putting that kind of effort into rectifying problems and not just uh, kind of changing your, your approach and saying, well, some modification required, figure it out on your own kind of a deal where, you know, it... it, it disrupts your your flow but i think people appreciate the fact that you're you're willing to uh to not just do the the big bulk store approach of well it kind of fits most of the time um you know you're you're willing to go back into it and and make it right to have the end result that not just the the consumer wants, but that you want for the for the consumer. Um, I mean, you you said it all when you said you know uh, almost isn't. I don't remember your exact words, but almost isn't good enough, and uh, I, I, that that speaks volumes. I, I think that's also what's going to prevent um, Woodsend from being a big box brand um, because. I don't come at it like that. I look. The problem should have been solved before the product even went out. It really should have. Um, it's something that was an oversight, and and I, I feel bad for it. But because of the way of how I handle salute uh, of rectifying um, issues like that, I think is at the end of the day is what's going to keep me being the niche that I am rather than a you know more of a larger brand. You've taken a really unique uh, approach to not just the onboard air stuff, but the the approach to how you see the community and how you see yourself being able to be a benefit to to the community, and not just in having something to offer and sort of lording that over people's heads as as being the guy that can do that. Um, I, I just my personal perspective. I, I think that there are are tons of, of uh, unexplored possible opportunities that, that uh, hopefully over time you'll, you'll see those, those opportunities and, and, you know, continue to see 
see the business grow, even if it's, you know, something that uh, isn't even on the radar as far as a, you know, product development and that kind of stuff right now that uh, keeps, uh, keeps piquing your interest and, and keeps you involved. Well, it's funny. I look at where I am now compared to where I was a few years ago when I started this. I was just, I was just looking at, um, at, at my website statistics and, and, and I, I laugh because I have I now have 327 products on my site, and and I I look and you know there's a couple other you know big name companies that are out there um, that you know resell you know whatever and they talk about thousands of SKUs and blah 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 and I keep thinking you know what all these people just resell other people's crap. And how many people are out there, you know, building this stuff? How many people are out there manufacturing this stuff? You know, I, I I'm, I'm not a reseller. I, I, yeah, I, you know, there's a couple things that, that I'll, I'll resell because, you know, the opportunity was given to me to resell. Um, yeah, but when you look at my site and you look at the product offerings that are there, um, out of the 327 products that are currently on the site, 240 of them I manufacture myself. I am proud um, of of what I have and what I've come up with. Woodsend is a manufacturer. Woodsend is a product developer. Um, you know, Woodsend is a solution provider, and that's that's one of the things that I want to make sure that Woodsend is known for. And at the end of the day. I know, I know what's in what's in my my pipeline. I know what's in my roadmap. Um, I know what's five years down the line. Um, even though I have a few hundred st- items that are on the site, as of right now, and, and this number vastly you know goes all over the place. But there's 78 products that I'm working on right now. 78. Keep in mind, it's not that I touch 78 different things every single day you physically can't um but each one of those things this is one of those things that i, I constantly talk to, to people about um you know when they're when they're trying to develop you know their own stuff and and whatnot is every project product and every project and every product of a project is a marble and my job is to keep each marble moving forward and so even though it may not be able to touch a particular marble for two weeks, by the time I get to it, I'll be able to move it way down the table. And so every single one of these marble projects that I keep moving forward is a is just another step to where they get to for completion. And so on any one, if anybody goes to my Instagram account, they can see, and it's just wits.end for Instagram, Everything that I do on a day-to-day basis, I post on there all the time, and it's near real time of the things that I'm working about or thinking about, and I use that as like a sounding board, and 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 just to get an just to get an idea of what people's reactions are to certain things. It doesn't make sense for me to all of a sudden release 15 different things at one time. Why? Because 14 of those things will just get lost in the ether. You know, it, it doesn't make sense for me to to release those many things at one time. So, it kind of sucks because I have to hamstring myself when I announce things, when I talk about things, because, you know, I can't tip my hand. Because, look, there's going to 
come a time and place when, and luckily it hasn't necessarily happened yet, but I'm fully expecting it to, where things that I get work on are going to get copied. Um, I know that's going to happen. But at the same time, I, I can't release everything that I'm working on all at one time. So I have to space these things out. And sometimes that can drive me nuts because I'm really excited about it. I'm really happy about it. But, you know, I can't release something that's a summertime more summertime, you know, uh, product based and then launch it in the winter. That's just dumb. Um, so now I got to hold on to it for, you know, another, another season and it, it'll drive me nuts. But at the end of the day, there are so many things, um, just in the pipeline, um, that'll take me at least the next two years. But there are more things that I have written down that hasn't even moved into the pipeline that'll take me three more years beyond that. So as of right now, I'm easy five years out of, of new of new product developments, of which I haven't taken each one of those things down the rabbit hole to see what their logical conclusions can be. So any one of those product projects can be another big solution that has, you know, dozens of other products that go along with it. I don't know yet. Um, you know, one of those things could be onboard, you know, I've already done the onboard air thing and I have a couple other ideas, but my next thing is the onboard water. And, and so that, that's something that I've been experimenting with. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to show too much of what I'm doing on that because it just looks bad. It just looks ugly, but I have to get something to a working system before I can get it to where, um, I can start to work on the aesthetics. I have to get the function before I start caring about the aesthetics. Uh, but I care about the aesthetics because my customers and everybody, once they, once they put it in there, they're proud of the, of, of the things that they have on there. I know that because they post on Facebook, they post on Instagram, they post it on I at mud. And it's like, uh, I was like, Oh God, I couldn't be any more honored. You know, when people are posting these photos on it. and that's why I know I'm going down the right path. It sounds to me like you've definitely you've you've got a good good plan uh, in place, even it, even if it's a a, a loose plan. And uh, I I know that uh, just just from talking to you and 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 you know checking out your your website and and kind of following along on Facebook and and mud and that kind of stuff that. Uh, you know, when you build a build a quality product, and I had mentioned it earlier that that you definitely put the the effort into making sure that you cover as many bases as possible. You know, we had, we had kind of kind of discussed not being able to fix all problems, but as many as possible. That those things they resonate with, within the community, and uh, the the companies that do that. Um, I know at least here with the podcast, we, we try to, to promote those companies, you know, uh, supporting those that support the community or that, that's, that's hugely important. And, and it, it seems to me like you are definitely here to, to support, support the, uh, the, the Toyota and, and Land Cruiser community anyway. People who know me, uh, personally know that I'm a absolute Toyota fanatic, even though, and sometimes, oh geez, I, I'm, I become a little bit too much of an evangelist of Toyota 
to the point of where I sometimes can be militant about it. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I do not hide my disdain for other vehicle manufacturers. Um, and I know, I know that's a problem for me. Um, and it's something I'm working on. And the, and the reason is because I now have customers that, um, love their vehicles and they happen to be of the model that I have great disdains for. Um, and so I, I know I have to cut back on that. Um, it's a personal flaw and I, I understand. Well, um, many, many of us within the community suffer from that flaw, but, um, not, not all of us run businesses where we have to, uh, yeah, have to play uh, nice with other people as well. So, well, yeah. And, and it's, what's funny is, and, uh, for the sake of argument, let's just say, oh, I don't know, Gene. I'm no fan um, at all. But I have I have so many customers that are now contacting me um, looking for stuff for their Jeep, and they want a, a wits end product for their Jeep because they see a solution on the on, on the Land Cruiser side. And they're like, holy crap. There, there's no solution for this on the Jeep side. You know, please, 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 can you make some of this? I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really make stuff for, for, for Jeeps. And I'm like, well, can you, you know, what about this? What about that? What about this? And it's like, look, if I was only focused on selling products and if I was only focused on volume and if I was only product or, or, or focused on the, my bank account, I would not be working on Toyotas. Let's be honest. I, I, that's that there's no that there's no win there. Um, I, I'd be I'd be working on Jeeps, um, but I can't. It's and 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 the you know besides that, there's 50 million other Chinese companies working on Jeep solutions, and I'm not going to compete with China on stuff. It's just I'm just not going to do it. But there are so many Jeep owners out there that love their vehicles so much. And they're looking for a solution. And, and there's a lot of stuff that they get from me already, uh, such as the pacifiers, such as the air couplers. And, and those, those two things in particular, the pacifier doesn't care what vehicle it goes into. And so I, I, have, to, I have to appreciate that. And I have to you know, remember uh, that there are, there are other people out there that have you know, opinions that vary very differently than mine uh, on vehicles that I, I may not appreciate. And that's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to go with what makes me happy. What makes me happy is, you know, Toyotas. Um, what makes me happier is Land Cruisers. What makes me happiest is the 80 series. And, and so that's where, you know, that's where my, my, my orbit is. Um, I have a 60 series. I've had several 60 series. I've had several 40 series. I've had others, but you know, my, my, my love, um, for Toyotas and my love for the Land Cruiser and the 80 series specifically, um, is unwavering. Um, it, it'll, it'll never change. And, you know, I've, 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 my son knows, you know, when I die, I'm, you know, it just, just, put me in the seatbelt in the driver's seat and just bury me in the truck because that's how I want to go. Um, and, and we, and the families come to terms with that. So 
I am diehard Toyota. Toyota Red runs through these veins. So uh, it's, but as as a company, um, as a as as a means for growth, is that the best solution? Well, it may not be, but um, it, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say at this point. But the good news is that I have enough in the pipeline to where it's not something I have to hyper focus on at the get-go. It's something that I have to keep in mind for future development, for future expansion, but it's not something that I have to worry about today. Well, I, I, I think that most most folks within the community, uh, you know, they, they understand your, as the owner of a company, your passion for, for the Toyota and Land, Land Cruiser community and for this community, uh, I think that speaks speaks volumes. Um, you know, it, we we had mentioned earlier it, big box stores and and that kind of stuff. Who, uh, for the most part, they don't care who they sell stuff to, but most of them, in all reality, carry very little for the the Toyota enthusiast. So to have have anybody that that is you know, focused, at least showing some focus towards the, uh, the Toyota and Land Cruiser community is important to, to most folks within, within the Toyota truck community. So I don't, I, my point is, I don't think you have anything to, uh, anything to worry about. Well, it's, it's funny. There, there's, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a few individuals within the, the Land Cruiser community, um, Nothing against them. It's just it's just the way they fly. The, the individual customer is so focused that, you know, unless you're a friend of this of this person or that person, you know this person, or, you know, you're, you know, I personally talk to you. I'm not going to sell to you. I'm not going to do these things. It's like, I look at that. It's like, how do you exist as a business when when you when you treat people like that? I I can't do that. For me. I need to be accessible. I need my products to be accessible. I need to remove as many roadblocks as possible to purchasing, utilizing, and enjoying the things that I create. And I can't, I I don't understand why some people um, are like that. And it always, it always kind of surprised me because you know, those same individuals will complain, you know, why sales are bad or, oh, this month is bad or, no, this month. Well, change your style. Change how you, you know, react to people. Change how, you know, you know, don't don't make that the only way they can contact you is by a phone. You know, there's what there's 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 no email. There's no website. There's, you know, the, the, they have to personally know you. You need, you need to know a secret handshake to get something that drives me crazy. And and. I have friends that are like that. I deal with people like that. Uh, maybe I'm lucky because I'm in the Lancuser world for so long now that you know um, people may may know you know my name for good or bad, um, and and so I, I may have access to certain things that others may not. And and I just I never I, I never I never wholly agreed with that i never i never really liked that you know uh, and unless you know this person that person that person your access to get this and that is nil and i don't know it, it's I, I i just always 
I just always thought that, you know, just being more accessible, um, not only not only being more accessible with your 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 product, not only being more accessible um, with your time, but also being more accessible with your knowledge. You know, this is this is a community that is you have old timers and then you have newbies. And all the old timers seem to want to hold on to the the their their core knowledge you know, like, you know, this, like they're the only ones in the world that has this knowledge and they're not, you know, everybody who thinks that they're the only ones that know something, they just, they don't, you know, there's other people that know it. Um, the, but the problem is there's, there's not enough of that information being handed down to the next person, the next person, the next person. And so when you have sites like I hate mud, when you have, you know, certain Facebook threads and, 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 and Instagram and all that where, where you have an expression of ideas and you have an expression of knowledge. Um, it, nothing makes me happier when, when, when I can see that that old school knowledge starts getting handed down. Where before it used to always be so closely held to the vest that it would drive me nuts because it's like, uh, is, is the idea to die with the most knowledge that only you have? I, I can't, you know, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think it's, we're going to get to a point to where we don't have, and, and look, we're always, we're already at this point. We're already at this point to where if you go into a Toyota dealership today um, and you, you come rolling in with an 80 series Land user, there's not going to be one person that knows not only how to work on that vehicle, but may have never worked on that vehicle. And that is not the person I want working on my vehicle. And, but I'm at I'm getting closer to that age. I'm I'm turning 46. I'm I'm not I'm not 22 anymore. And there are some things I like working on my vehicle. But you know what? Guess what? There there's some things I just don't like working on my vehicle. Um, I don't want to do on my own vehicle. You know, I want to I want to pass it off to somebody else. Um, but the knowledge of that isn't being passed down. And I think that's um, that's a travesty. I, I think, especially in this community, I think more of that knowledge needs to be handed down so that we get, we, we get and keep more of these land cruisers on the road. Yeah. Uh, none of them are getting, getting in any younger. Um, I, I know I'm, uh, I, I live more in the, the forerunner mini truck, just Toyota four wheel drive world when it comes to to toyotas i don't take me wrong i i have total admiration for for land cruisers and and uh hope oh i've to, been in uh, that world too <laughs> hope to hope to join that club someday but it it fascinates me i've got a first gen forerunner and uh you know you had mentioned going to to toyota and and trying to uh trying to get help from a service department and I am not by any means uh, bragging about my knowledge because I don't have a ton. But when it comes to to my first gen forerunner, I honestly believe I understand more about the workings of the electronics and that kind of stuff of a twenty two RE than most of the the mechanics at my local Toyota dealer. Uh, they they I was pointing things out to them that they didn't know. And oh yeah, it. it uh, I, I agree with you that it, it, it's mind-boggling, and that we we as a, a community need to 
start working really hard to, like you said, passing that that information, you know, down the line and making sure that that uh, the younger generation coming in, if we want to see it succeed or, or stick around anyway, uh, to to keep the younger generation informed and and in a lot of ways, that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast is is uh, just show people that it's it's a big 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 community and and there is more than just that fifth gen forerunner you know toyota didn't just all of a sudden inter- introduce a fifth gen forerunner there were uh a, a lot of uh really awesome vehicles that led to the the, the development of that vehicle and no, no uh, kidding. Yeah. just uh, show uh, trying really hard to show those vehicles r- respect and and, uh, and and admiration because, like I said, I I definitely have it for those vehicles and and just want to uh, want to inform some of the people that are just just getting into it, whether it's getting into a new Toyota or or you know getting into their first uh, older Land Cruiser, you know that, that getting people like you on the show to to. Uh, to pass along some of that information. Yeah, it's you know the the the, the fifth gen. I, I think is I think is a great vehicle because um, it brought a lot of people back to Toyota. But I think those people that you know experimented with other vehicles and, and whatnot, the, the the fifth gen was great to get them back and say, okay, you know what, this is great because. The the aftermarket community was massive for the fifth gen, absolutely massive, and and you know the the quote unquote overlanding expedition and 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 camping world just exploded around the that vehicle and it's and it's great. It's um, I I would still never give up my eighty series to any um, you know fifth gen forerunner that's out there. Um, I wouldn't mind a fifth gen to play with and, and, you know, create other cool stuff with and, and, you know, have in my own fleet, but it's, it's still not a vehicle that I would, you know, re- replace it with. I've had, I've had a third gen forerunner four wheel drive that, you know, my wife and I had for a while that, um, was, was great until the timing, timing belt went on that. And, and well, that was the end of that. And, uh, but I think moving forward, um, getting more, seeing more development for Toyota vehicles um, is not going to be an, an issue. Um, there's always going to be development for it. There's always going to be love for it. And 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 uh, you know, with with the next iteration of the Forerunner and the next iteration of the Tacoma, um, hopefully one day the next iteration of the Land Cruiser, um, we're just going to see more and more people. Um, you know, showing their love and devotion and, and, and sharing knowledge with them, but also more companies like mine that, that, you know, sprout up, you know, every day, you know, trying to develop stuff for it. Plus all the old school companies that, you know, bring a newer vehicle in and start doing development for those as well. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a big economy. The, uh, the support for, for the brand is, uh, it's incredible. And, you know, like you said, with companies like yours and, and many others that, that focus on that brand and, and want to uh, 
want to support the the community. Um, I, I don't see that going away. I, I'm with you. I don't see it going away any anytime soon. Um, Joey, we've we've been at this for for an hour. Um, is is there anything else uh, that that you would like to discuss about Wits End? Any any uh, upcoming products that, that you want to chat about real quick, or or anything along those lines that you want to get out to the listeners real quick? Um, there's, I mean, there's a there's a couple of things that I'm I'm constantly working on. It's hard to tell which ones. Uh, well, we had, we had talked before we started recording. One 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 product that you're you're working on right now is is a. Uh, a, a, I don't know the proper proper word to use for it because as with uh, as with your onboard air setups and and other things that we've discussed, it's not just putting a turbo on an eighty series. You're working on developing an, an entire kit to uh, to make this work. Is that correct? Yeah. So the it's it's funny the. Uh, the the turbo project um i i wasn't when that thread started on mud i actually had no no part of it at the beginning and and, and turbos wasn't something that was in in my my purview I've, I've had turbo vehicles and and you know i've done my own playing but nothing nothing hardcore i was, I was not a tuner i wasn't a racer i didn't you know my turbos weren't my life turbo for me was more about getting up the hill not racing to the red um, and so I got contacted, um, by, by Scott Ryan and actually a couple other people that are on the thread and I'm like, you know, you should, you know, throw your hat in the ring to, uh, to get onto the development of this turbo thing. I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do a turbo. Why, why am I, you know, I don't know enough about, about this stuff to, um, to go into it. But as I started digging into it and taking a look at what was trying to be accomplished, um, there's a couple things that I realized right away is, well, wait a minute. Um, this is this is a manufacturing process. This isn't at, at the end of the day, um, and this is something that we talked about earlier. You and I can can sit in my garage for you know the next two months, um, you know, holding a, a, a geared or a Borg Warner turbo and 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 looking at it and going, okay, with all the tools and supplies that I have here and with between Amazon and eBay, um, in about two months time, I could probably get a working turbo, um, mounted into my vehicle and running. But that's great as a one-off as a one-off. What am I, you know, uh, what am I going to do? Just, you know, post up a thread on, on Facebook or mud and, and just brag about, um, you know, what I did for my vehicle and then sit there like an idiot and answer 17,000 questions as somebody else, you know, tries in vain to figure out their own system. Um, you know, spending, you know, three times as much time and three times as much money, um, as, as the United. And, and once I started looking at that, I was like, oh, you know what, there's, there's a, there's a manufacturing process to this that would make this a lot better. And so, as I started looking at it, it was oh, there is there is an oil supply issue um, on the one FZ. Oh, there is an air intake issue on the one FZ. Oh, there's a turbo mounting issue on the one FZ. You know, oh, there is a um, you know there's a computer issue. Oh, there's a carb um, EO certification issue, and all these different things started coming to mind. It's like you know what I I may have 
I may have some solutions here that can take care of a lot of these um, different problems. And, and initially, I was just going to make a couple little things and, you know, to make people's lives easier. And as I started going further down the rabbit hole and further down the rabbit hole, I started realizing, no, 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 no. I can actually create an entire bolt-on solution that is carb compliant. And carb compliance is a really, really, really important thing. And I, I know, you know, probably a majority of your users are like, rah, carb, blah, 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 California emissions, who cares? Well, here's the problem. Uh, carb is now being enjoyed by seven, or I'm sorry, 16 states. And they're either right on board with CARB or they're about to implement um, the same emission standards as CARB. So, yeah, I kind of have to care about CARB, especially since I'm going to be making a near bolt-on solution that is a production version of this thing that I'm selling as a company. I'm not just one-offing this in my garage. So there are certain things that I have to worry about um, as a company. And so... Once I started down this path and figuring out, ah, okay, well, here's how I can solve the um, the oil um, drain back issue. Ah, here's how I can so uh, solve the oil pressure side issue. Ah, here's how I can solve the uh, the air filter placement issue. I started um, getting to the point to where I started realizing, okay, if I'm going to go down this path, there's um, comes a point where I have to start worrying about. Um, trying to get this thing certified. And I had no idea how that was going to happen. All I knew was it was going to be, it was going to take forever and it was going to be overly expensive and to the point to where I'm not going to want to do this. And so there was a, um, uh, an individual that I see um, worked for the SEMA garage, which luckily for me is just an hour south from me. And they were like, well, you know, we happen to work um, hand in hand with CARB to do the certifications you're trying to do. And we can hand walk um, a lot of the certification process and a lot of the testing process and basically remove a lot of the bureaucracy that you're looking at doing. And so I said, okay, so, you know, paid my dues, signed up as a member and, you know, now going down that path. There, there are things that I have to do first um, I have to um, I have to manufacture the J pipe, which is basically the uh, the pipe that mounts the exhaust manifold to the uh, T4 flange on the turbo. Um, but then that's you know 50% of your turbo install, and so everything else from that point is just you know your intake and exhaust basically. Um, so as I'm going down that path. I've been in the background creating all these little bits and pieces that are needed to make sure that the end user, at least here's my goal. My goal is that when an individual purchases this, they can either install it themselves with hand tools in the better part of a weekend, or they can hand this off to their shop of choice and any monkey with a posable thumb um, and some really cool Mac or Snap-on tools can install this in eight and ten hours. Um, and so that's that's been my methodology. Okay, what do I need to do to make sure that this can happen for that for the end user or for the end installer? And so every component up until this that that point, I've been methodically going through to see. Okay, how can I solve this? How can I solve that? 
um, how can I make this so it's bolt-on? How can I make this so that it doesn't require special tools? And if it does require special tools, I'll supply the special tool. So basically, they have a kit that they don't have to go running to Home Depot to try and find some funky little tool or part or whatever to try and mash together something to get a working turbo unit on. And so that's been my whole my, uh, my my whole my whole thinking up until this point, and so you know keeping this thing as relatively safe, so five to six psi, which is which is roughly the same as what the um, uh, the Magnuson supercharger um, available for the also one FZ um, what it would put out. This is going to put out eh, probably right around the same, maybe a pinch more because um, th- there's no. Um, um, you're not robbing any power because it's not being belt driven. Um, it's just running off the exhaust. And, and so now I'm, I'm getting so, so much closer to that point to where, um, I can start doing a, a test install where I can start doing the, uh, initial, uh, dyno run that's, that's required for the certification process. Um, where I could, you know, basically start doing all the other, um, necessary paperwork and, and, and certification process that's that's required of me. Um, all those all come into focus um, because there's one linchpin product, and that one linchpin product is the J pipes, which is the exact the the actual exhaust pipes uh, that go between the turbo and the exhaust manifold. Basically, once that is done, and that's all in the manufacturing right now. Um, but once that's done, that's the linchpin. That's when everything all starts happening and starts progressing, progressing uh, uh, rapidly. And, and and that part and that whole thing has been exciting because there's been a whole bunch of different components. But I don't go at that any differently than I would have, say, the onboard air products. It's how do we take this to it's, you know, it's. Uh, you know, it's logical conclusion. How do I take this to the point to where what else is the end user going to have to worry about? What is it that they're going to have to think about? What else are they going to run into that's going to be a potential problem with the uh, with installation or operation? And so, those are the kind of things that that's that's still racked through my through my brain. And even though um, there's a lot of people, um, especially on the mud mud board, that um, that think, oh, well, you know, Joey's just concentrating on the turbo. He's not caring about all the other products. Well, no, it's not the case. You know, when, when I'm, when I'm working on stuff and I'm working on different products, you know, when I was talking about the 70 plus uh, marbles that I'm working on, the turbos itself is, is one big marble that has 14 marbles underneath it. And just because I can't touch 13 of those 14 marbles at any one point in time, that doesn't mean I don't work on other things. So I may come to a point of like, ah, I need to order X, X item from Amazon. It'll take three days to get here. Um, well, guess what? I'm working on 14 other things until that thing comes in in the mail. Um, once that thing comes in the mail, guess what? I'm back onto, onto that. And so I switch back and forth and back and forth and back and forth constantly between the things that I'm working on. But the turbo is one of those things that I'm really, really, really getting as, as I get further down this path, I'm getting more excited about 
because I see I see the potential of it. I see the potential of of happy faces of of, of those people opening this up like boxes on Christmas, where they're like, "Oh, what I get, what I get, what I get," and they, you know, they're like, "All right, family, you remember how you said we we're going to go to Disneyland? Well, instead, I bought a turbo, and uh, you know, it, you guys go to the park because uh, Daddy's going to be installing uh, a turbo in in the garage for the weekend." And and it's it's exciting for me because it's it's to know that everybody else is going to be excited um, playing with the stuff and 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 being able to have something that up until now was completely unobtainium. You know, you had to know somebody or you had to be you know really deep pockets, um, you know, to to get one of these things going. And here it is, you know, some Yahoo. Um, 20 minutes north of Los Angeles is now creating a bolt-on kit. It's like, who would have thunk it? And so it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really, really fun for me. And it's, and it's, and and look, it's only the start, you know, the onboard air stuff. It's only the start of, of other onboard air projects for other vehicles. The turbo is only the start of other turbo projects that I've had my eye on. But I need, like you know, we were talking about earlier. I need there to be a success. I need there. I need to go down this path, and and figure out my failures and my successes before I can take a right turn to go into another path and use what I've learned on this application before I utilize it onto something else. Pardon me. The uh, the fact that you you got involved with this this turbo project and and it. it seems as though things are are moving in the right direction um i think that that it's it's going to be an option that that many 80 series owners have been uh kind of hoping for and crossing their fingers for 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 a very long time i know the the supercharger option pardon me option has been around for for quite some time but i think that this is going to uh I think it's going to be a big hit for you when when you get everything, you know, get all the kinks worked out of it and and, and all the details finalized and that kind of stuff. I, it, uh, I I I personally look forward to to seeing how it goes for you. And I don't even have an eighty series, so uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, it, 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 it. Like I've told you many times throughout this conversation, I I just simply appreciate people that are willing to to innovate and, and take ideas and and move them forward i i think that's uh it, it just it just fascinates me i mean i i can go buy off the shelf parts all day long and bolt them on but i don't uh my mind just does not work <laughs> work <clears throat> in that passion of being able to just take an idea and and uh start from from scratch and move forward with it so the uh, the fact that there's there's folks like you and many others, uh, I've said it before within within the uh, within the community, um, I, I I appreciate y'all being here or I wouldn't have anything cool. So, <laughs> well, it's uh, it's definitely been it's definitely been fun and interesting. It, it really has. I have, I, have, I have I have no complaints. Well, very very cool. Um, Joey, I, I can't thank you enough for the time um, and, and just uh, having a conver- conversation with me here. It, it is much, much appreciated. Um, just kind of in, in wrapping up, if if people want to get a hold of you or, or check out your website and that kind of stuff, you want to take just a second and throw that information out there on, on how people can 
can get in touch with you and check out all the uh, all the cool stuff that Wits End has to offer? Uh, sure. So um, the if people just want to just you know don't want to drop a line or don't want to call at all. Um, you know, they just want to just get a feel of, you know, what it is that I'm working on, what I'm doing. Honestly, the best, the, the best way to get a look into what's going on in my brain is, is my Instagram account. So if you go to Instagram, it's uh, just wits, W-I-T-S dot end, E-N-D. Um, and there I, you know, I, I post there more than I do pretty much anywhere else. Um, it's just because it's just crazy easy for me to throw up a picture and a couple of words uh, about what's going on in my head. Um, the, uh, the website is absolute dash wits dash end.com. Um, yes, I tried in vain to get something shorter, but that's what I'm stuck with. Um, and then, um, if anybody wants to, uh, drop me a, an email, um, and, and get in contact with me, it's, uh, absolute dot wits end at gmail.com. Well, again, Joey, uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, if uh, if there's anything we can do for you here at the podcast in the future, just uh, reach out and let us know. No, we'll do. All righty. Right on. Thanks, son. Just want to take a, a quick second and say thank you to Joey for, for giving us a few minutes and coming on and talking about uh, his product line and that kind of stuff and kind of how uh, how Wits, Wits End got going and, and uh, where he's looking to, to take the company in the future. Really cool stuff. And, and uh, definitely stop by his website. I, I know he said in the interview, but I'll repeat it. Um, it it's absolutewitsend.com, and that's absolute-wits-end.com. Um, really cool tools and stuff. If you've got an 80 or a 60, I bet he's got that one thing you're looking for that's going to solve that problem that you have. He's He's got a lot of uh, practical need-to-haves on that website, not a lot of uh, frills, absolutely uh, useful stuff. Uh, definitely the stuff I hear my 80 and 60 series friends complaining about. Uh, for for sure. Very, very cool stuff. Um, a lot of it's really innovative stuff and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we definitely encourage folks if uh, if you've got a got an 80 or a 60 or, or a lot of this stuff is kind of universal stuff. So if you're looking at putting together an onboard air system or something along those lines, uh, Joey offers a lot of that kind of stuff that is is can kind of be used universally as well. So yeah, and, and, and he's actually he's got some um, forty. He's got forty, sixty, sixty-two, seventy, eighty uh, series Land Cruisers. He's got LX four fifties, one hundred series Land Cruiser stuff, and fifth gen Forerunner stuff. So goody, goody, goody. Lots of goodies. But uh, yeah, be sure to be sure and check him out. Uh, speaking of more goodies, um, I'm, I'm going to give a shameless plug for a friend of mine, but it's actually pretty interesting, especially um, because it, it, it it's relevant to your region of the world, Jason. Uh, my my friend Izzy Sanchez uh, wrote a book, 
And uh, it's a cool book. It's called Overlanding in the Southeastern United States, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Southern Virginia. And uh, it's up on Amazon. We'll, we'll leave you the link in the show notes because uh, that's kind of a long title and you'll have to rewind the podcast if you want to l- look it up yourself. But uh, it's a uh, paperback uh, edition of the book available for 25 bucks, which for an actual book you can hold in your hands um, is 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 pretty reasonable. Um, and I would say it's probably worth it because I know Izzy and he's he's actually a certified instructor. He's a master tread trainer for Tread Lightly and he also uh, is a uh, ham radio uh, teacher, uh, instructor. He He's really into the ham radio scene. So he uh, is a very knowledgeable guy and he covers in this book uh, whether, you know, the, the book is, is targeted for people who are either been doing this for years and years. It covers the kind of gear to bring, how to outfit your vehicle, places to go, things to do, driving, four-wheel drive systems, all kinds of interesting stuff. So a uh, great book to, to check out and uh, help out a friend. Uh, I'm actually going to pick up a copy myself and actually read it <laughs> because uh, um, Izzy's, Izzy's quite a guy. And, and uh, he comes to a lot of overland events. So if you ever run into him, uh, definitely, definitely take a minute to say hi because he's very personable. Oh, cool. I'll be, I'll be checking that out as well. So, uh, yeah, listeners, if, uh, if you're looking for some, some reading material, be sure and at least give it some consideration anyway. Yeah, I mean, you could sit and, you know, read social media or you could actually read a book and get the good, the good info and, and not, uh, not that guy who's been doing it for years. I hate that guy. He he knows what he's talking about. He's got a huge Instagram page. If he's really been doing it that many years, that's the problem. (laughs) Oh, man. So in other news in the Toyota community, um, sort of some some dark news uh, with Halloween coming. I guess we should should throw in a dark story here and there. But um, uh, Pelfrey built has uh, formally announced their uh, filing for bankruptcy and they're going under and it's uh, left the community in, in, in not, I I guess that's, let's not downplay it. A lot of people are pretty upset out there. Uh, Some, some bad, bad stuff happened and uh, the, uh, you know, we're not going to get tangled up in that, you know, I, I hope that everybody that has uh, uh, an iron in the fire, you know, everything ends peacefully for everybody. But, uh, you know, also best wishes to the folks over at Pelfrey Built. Um, they've been in the community for a long time, and a lot of people were really happy with their products. So it's, it's a shame to see them go. Um, and, and uh, you know, we never like to see a, a vendor you know, have to have to fold up shop. So that that's some bad news. Uh, but we hope everything works out okay. And and uh, there's there's definitely been some fire on social media. There's been some 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 jokes thrown around that you know were may or may not have been off color. Um, but you know it is what it is. And and uh, so 
you know, but from Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, we wish the best to the folks at Palfrey Built. Hope that they get through this and, and uh, you know, get on to uh, happier times. For sure. Yeah, I, I hate to see any small business like that uh, go through something like this and having it been a a, a company that's always been a big supporter of the community and that kind of stuff it it uh it's definitely saddening to uh to see it happen and and i'm i'm with you i i hope hope the best for them i i feel bad for the you know the customers that uh had had stuff ordered and that kind of stuff that that aren't going to get what they what they were expecting and that kind of stuff but um i i'm I believe in my heart that there was no malice intended on, you know, on anybody's part or anything like that. It's just a, it's just a bad deal. So, yeah, yeah. There's there's some salt out there, and it's warranted. I mean, people got burned, and sure, uh, sure. You know, they're 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 gonna they're gonna express their feelings, and 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 that's how that is. So I hope people keep that in context. But uh, well, anyway, uh, so that's that's the uh, the bad news. The other thing that's been uh, going around social media quite a bit is it's it just seems like a lot of people are complaining about the uh eight inch rear ends in in uh most of the toyota trucks have you been seeing this stuff going around jason seen, it's, seen it seems like it's po- like rampant lately I've seen several posts about it again it it it's, seems like this kind of goes in cycles for for whatever reason and it may be the time of year um i i guess i haven't my memory hasn't collected that much or or is incapable of collecting that much data to remember whether it's always this time of year but it seems like every so often this this subject comes up where it it, it just seems to be kind of on the forefront for for a period of time and then kind of fades away again but uh let's uh, go ahead and discuss it a little bit rich because i'm sure you've been following it probably closer than i have I have, I have, and I've, I've, I see both sides of the argument. I mean, I, I used to have an eight inch, and I upgraded it to an eight point two, when an opportunity presented itself. Um, but I never put thirty sevens on on that diff and spun them on the rocks while the truck was bouncing. And you know, I, I have been. I haven't been doing this forever. There's plenty of people in this industry and in this form of recreation that have been on the trail longer than I have. But even in my experience, um, I've seen, you know, some 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 driving behavior that led to breakages, things that could have been avoided, and um, people post a video. Well, here's me breaking my diff and you know, this diff's a piece of junk and blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to say every case, but because it's not every case, but a lot of what we see is, is people who are maybe a little overzealous when they're, when they're driving, you know, maybe, um, trying the same line too many times and failing. And maybe the, you know, in the heat of the moment, they just uh, mash the gas and try and send it. And, uh, you know, these, these divs blow the, the eight inch rear end. I mean, it's, it's in a lot of Toyotas and, uh, you know, with the weight and, <clears throat> you know, in the GX four seventies and four sixties, you got the V eight. Although, excuse me, I, I take it back on the four sixty. I believe that has the 8.2 in it, 
but uh, you know the the eight inch is I think sort of a carryover for uh, from a time when people really didn't go much further than 33s <laughs> on these vehicles and, and probably didn't load them down you know the way so I, I think all that comes into play I mean it's you, you can't blame anyone thing you can't blame the diff you can't blame the the, the driver it's a, always a combination of factors well, I was know? I was just gonna say there there are too many variables to to lay it at the feet of one one particular issue um, yeah and I've seen every one of those things blamed. I've even seen a track blamed. Um, you know, one one that I saw recently, and I'm not. You know, I, I may do a little friendly ball breaking, but I'm not necessarily getting on this particular individual, and uh, especially in the event that they're listening. You know who you are, and 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 I'm not beating the crap out of you, and and I don't think you deserve that. Um, but he broke a rear diff and a front CV and, and that, and, and then, you know, uh, there was sort of this echo chain, you know, when you're in that situation where you're breaking a rear diff and a front CV, I think a little bit of a change in driving technique might benefit you in the future. (laughs) I can see breaking one or the other, but both at the same time, I I just got to kind of shake my head and say, you know, maybe you could approach that a little differently. Uh, And that's being extremely nice about it. Well, Uh, I I, I can say from from my own experience, and this isn't pointing fingers at anybody else, so I can say whatever I want because I'm talking about (laughs) something that I did. But uh, Go, Jason. (laughs) You know, the uh, the most damage that that and I'm not talking about an eight inch differential. I I, I know that folks. I, I'm referring to the front differential in my Forerunner. But the the first time that I I broke the uh, broke the front diff and, and I didn't break the ring gear. I stripped out the the outer gears, which is a common problem in the 7.5 differential. But I stripped the outer gears and broke a CV shaft at the same time. Um. That that was purely one hundred percent unadulterated. Jason driving like an idiot. Um, <laughs> the uh, the second I have to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> the the second time that, that I I tore the the front differential up in it, I, I did strip some teeth teeth off the ring gear, and uh, again that that was one hundred percent me being an idiot. Um. Folks, hands down, driving plays a huge, huge, huge role in how this equipment holds up. And sometimes in that driving, it comes down to you just got to put your pride away and do something different. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I've seen seen trucks break. Uh, trying to do uh, just let me bump it one more time. Um, I'm guilty of that. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I've gotten really lucky on many occasions where I didn't break something trying to bump it one more time. Um, 
but to to just stand back and and rich i don't know what your what your opinion is but i'm going to get on my soapbox regardless of your opinion to <laughs> to that's what i like that's what i want to hear to for for people to just step back and, and just blatantly criticize the the 8 inch differential that is under thousands and thousands and thousands of toyotas like it's the biggest waste of of mechanical machinery ever ever made to me is it's ludicrous um are they a little bit weak are there there definitely stronger things out there absolutely um but it's not uh folks we're not dealing with a dana 30 under a jeep um it's it, still it, better than than any Jeep diff. It, it, absolutely. Well, not any Jeep. Well, diff, not but right, not any, but it, it's not. Uh, it's not just absolutely junk either. And for for somebody, you know, the the first time they 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 break a ring gear or or uh, whatever the case is, to immediately start, you know. Uh, wanting to upgrade to a different housing or thinking that they need to step up to a, you know, even a, a what is yours, Rich, an 8.2, is that right? Yeah, it's an 8.2. Uh, you know, even even the idea of stepping up to that housing without evaluating what, what happened, and, and I mean being 100% honest with, uh, you don't have to be honest with the community, but at least be honest with yourself, you know. Um, if if you were flogging it on a ledge and and bouncing that rear end, and it came apart, um, I, I I'm absolutely pointing fingers. It, it you did it. it. It's just that simple, you know. Uh, uh, Dana sixties break doing that kind of stuff, you know. Um, it's just you have to. Uh, you can't just always blame the parts. There, there's uh, this this off-roading hobby is uh, there. There's a lot of variables to it, and Rich, you've pointed out many times that that uh, I don't remember exactly how you word it, but it, it has something to do with the most important modification you can do is a modification in your mind and, and how you approach your driving. And I I agree with that 100. percent And uh, just with a lot of these, a lot of these posts that I've seen and that kind of stuff of, of uh, people criticizing the 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 rear end and that kind of stuff, it's it's frustrating, folks. I do a Toyota podcast because I love this brand, and uh, I I know that that Toyota has their shortcomings and shortcomings and that and that sort of thing, but uh, to to just blatantly beat up on something for the sake of beating up on it, um, I, I'm not. Uh, I ain't gonna listen to it. It, it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree with everything you said, and and what I can add to that is, um, right? The, the, uh, is the eight, like you say, is the eight inch the strongest thing? No. Is it a complete piece of shit? No. So where's the truth? Somewhere in the middle of that, right? And I think that um, over the course of time. You know, learning, wheeling, you know, just general wheeling your vehicle, having a little fun with it, you're, you're going to, you can create some, some fractures and you can get that third member to travel around a little bit. You know, in the eight inch, the, the studs are only M8s holding that on. 
And I remember when my studs were backing out of the housing, which is common in the 8-inch diff, the whole third member would travel in a circular motion, you know, and, and under load. You could even see, you know, just shifting from neutral to drive, you would, you would see the, the, the whole third member shift a little bit, just a tiny bit. And to think that that couldn't contribute, you know, to things going on. The crush sleeve on the front is is known to, um, you know, under under impacts and and hopping and and you know driveline uh, impacts and things like that. Um, that that crush sleeve and on, on, on the front of the pinion there, it's designed to crush. Um, you know, as you set the the, the preload on the uh, on the pinion, so a hard impact can actually crush that crush sleeve a little more. And companies like uh, East Coast Gear have made a solid spacer because so many people have have run into this issue. Once you knock that crush sleeve a little bit, you've knocked your your um, you know pinion away from your ring gear a little bit if that's out of alignment you know if that's not making good contact and it slips a little bit there's a good chance that you're you're going to blow a diff and and these are the kind of things that'll happen over time you could give it a good bump knock that crush sleeve just send it out of alignment a little bit and it'll drive fine everything will be fine and then one day you know you could be doing the simplest little thing and just be applying pressure you know even gently and it'll it'll make that horrible horrible noise and and um the i don't think a lot of people realize that the damage is cumulative you know the gears can get stress cracks in them um you know things like this can happen and it, it, it's not like it comes from the factory that way it, it will build up over time and it'll become this combination of studs backing out and, and crushed sleeves and, you know, um, worn bearings and, and, and things like that. Um, I've seen people say, you know, pulling the third member off every now and then and just looking around is, you know, worth your time looking for play and, and things like that. It's, it's, it's a bit of work, you know, to do that. Um, you know, pulling the axles and dropping the drive shaft and, and doing all that. But um, it can help you spot a problem much sooner than, you know, being out there and having it fail. And inspecting your fluid, you know, if you're starting to see a lot of silver in your fluid, it, it's it, it's time right then and there to either start putting pennies in the piggy bank or making a, an even better move. Upgrading isn't that bad of an, uh, an idea. I mean, I did it, and but the reason I did it was I was regearing, and a great opportunity came up. I, I found a housing for an amount of money I don't want to disclose, but it was a steal. And I said, well, you know, and I had blown that that diff before uh, using the locker, which is another another um, complaint people have had is is that they blow when you use the e-locker um that could have been improper driving i don't know that could have been you know me learning how to drive um you know all catching up with me in that moment that day 
and um, you know, luckily I was able to resolve it uh, relatively inexpensively. <clears throat> but uh, the, the the point is, um, your your driving definitely has a big impact on it. Um, so if you have an eight inch, do you need to run out and? upgrade it to a $2,000 9.5 inch diamond axle? I don't think so. Uh, maybe if you're looking at running 37s or something, okay, well, that might be a smart choice, but, um, you, you know, you know that you have something on there that is going to be expensive to fix if you break it. So look at the behaviors, look at, look at what other people are doing when they blow their diff. There's a common, there's a certain uh, amount of common things, uh, you know, wheel hopping, spinning tires on rocks, and the, the the whole vehicle bouncing a little bit is really really tough on on those gears, and uh, that can that can catch up with you. So, you know, play it smart out there. I mean, you know, again, we're going to repeat this. It is not the biggest piece of shit in the world, but it is not the strongest thing in the world either. And once you start getting into the bigger tire, heavier weights, you have to keep in your mind that you have a part that was designed to work uh, a lot less harder than, than you're making it work. Yeah, I, I don't uh, – and, and I don't mean to point the finger and say that it's always driver error either. But um, – I know in a couple of posts that you and I were following, Rich, it was it was obviously, um, if not fully to blame for it, it played a huge part in it. And uh, just uh, take what's well, yours. Yeah. Take take what's yours. We all screw up. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't uh, don't be blaming blaming bad parts when it you know when it's clearly uh, clearly goes deeper than that. So. Yeah, and and the, the another thing worth saying is, <clears throat> you know, especially on social media, people want to put their best face forward. You know, uh, very rarely do you see that one one guy who's like, "Look, I re- did a really dumb thing. Here's me doing it." You know, and everybody laughs and tells him he's a dummy, and you know, we all laugh, and it, that's the end of it. That's that's fine, but but the people who are beating on it and showing, "Look, I was hardly doing anything when it blew." That's kind of the, you know, it kind of reminds me of the when you watch cops on TV, when you watch one of those shows where the guy's doing something wrong, and when he gets caught, he says, "I wasn't doing anything," <laughs> and you know, all along he knew he was doing something wrong. So <clears throat> you have to wonder what these people have done leading up to this. You know, how, how hard have they beat the snot out of it before that day that it blew? You know, the the videos you don't see, you know, what they're not showing uh, can can be just as telltale as what they're showing. Right. Yeah, it uh, you have to. Uh, you have to keep an open mind on both sides, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, like we said, when we started this conversation, something that uh Something that comes up every so often, and it seems like when it does, it, it kind of seems to happen a lot for a short period of time, and then for whatever reason, it 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 uh, goes away again for a while. But yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, so I, I I hope everybody just 
you know, get educated on what that part does and how to take care of it. And don't believe the, the hype online. You don't need to run out and spend tons of money on an upgrade. Just take care of what you have. And, and even if you have to baby that part a little bit, you know, uh, that, that's, that's gonna, that thing will last you if you, if you take care of it. Uh, we beat that one to death, but I, it deserved it. Yes, sir. I, I agree. I agree. Well, what uh, do we have anything? Do we have anything else to get into? Uh, I think that's everything we have on on our our list. We're at the end. We're at cool. the end. I have nothing. Cool. Well, um, folks, we mention at the end of every every show how to get a hold of us and that kind of stuff. And and uh, it's been a long time since we've got some some feedback and uh for as in and as embarrassing as it is to have to admit some of this feedback i i'm i am the type of guy that will admit my my screw-ups um one way that we encourage you to uh to interact with us is uh is on facebook and you can you can do that like benjamin did when he pointed out that uh in the last episode when we were talking about engine swaps and and folks i i'll i'll tell you about this and then tell you the truth um benjamin corrected me on the fact that uh i uh had mentioned doing a a four-cylinder possible four-cylinder swap in my first gen forerunner with a uh a first gen tacoma four-cylinder out of a first gen tacoma pardon me and uh not once, but twice in, in the last episode, I, I referred to that engine, and both times, I referred to it as two different uh, two different engines, and both times I was wrong. Um, and Benjamin commented on Facebook to uh, to point that out to me. So, uh, thank you, Benjamin. And to be a hundred percent honest with, with you folks, sadly, I looked that up just before we recorded the episode. Um, I knew what I wanted to say. And uh, per usual for me, I turned around and said the wrong thing anyway. So, um, anyway, if you want to give us some feedback uh, about this or any other episode, feel free to go to Facebook and, you know, <laughs> point out how Jason can look stuff up and, you know, literally have the information right there in front of him on his computer screen and still not uh, still not be able to say it right. So. And I'm sure we'll get I'm sure we'll get some feedback on the uh, the eight inch diff. So, you know. And we welcome it. Fight with us, for Come sure, on. for sure. <laughs> well, we uh, we got a lot of feedback on on the last episode, on the engine swap episode, and and that was great to hear, um, folks. We we try really hard to come up with stuff that is uh, is interesting for you folks to listen to, and and stuff that uh, that you have some interest about, and and uh, longtime listener and and. and good friend of the show andy jordan you know left some real nice comments on the website which is another way that you can uh, can interact with us but rich one thing i wanted to ask you about a, a few episodes back we had talked about uh i don't remember it's been so long since you and i have recorded together i don't remember whether you were on the episode or not but we had i know andy and i had talked about uh low pro um drain plugs and fill plugs for for differentials were, were you a part of that conversation? No, I think I missed that one. Um, we had talked about it, and, and like I said, our buddy Andy Jordan commented on the on the website uh, 
about these that they have an issue with them kind of backing out. Um, is that something that you have any experience with at all? The, the low-profile plugs. Yeah, the ones that take an, out. The ones that take an Allen, uh, Allen wrench to, uh, to put in and take out instead of, instead of just a, a standard socket. No, I've I've never run into that issue. Um, I've run one for years. In fact, the one I have now on my uh, 8.2 diff, I think, was on my 8-inch diff. I just carried it over because it's magnetic, and I'm a, I have a uh, you know I have a passion for magnetic drain plugs. But um, I, I've never had a problem with it backing out. But I will I will say. That I'm I'm that guy that replaces the copper crush gasket, and uh, so I don't know if that has something to do with I, helping I'm, it. I'm stay sure tight. That, sure that plays a big role. I only bring that up because uh, I think I had mentioned when it must have been Andy and I that were talking about it that uh, I've got a wheel bearing that needs replaced on the uh, on the FJ Cruiser, and here a while back I had went to. Uh, to take the fill plug out of it to uh, to add a little bit of gear oil to it till I could get get the uh, the bearing and the seal replaced and for some reason or another my uh, my fill plug is seized in the housing and on the front uh, no on the rear oh. and I'm gonna have to uh, it had a uh, my my FJ had a, a previous owner had installed a a rear diff skid on it. Mm-hmm. And it made it uh, kind of difficult to get a straight shot to the fill, fill plug with a socket. Right. And oddly enough, I've had the fill plug out a couple of times in the past without issue. But for some reason, when I went to take it out this last time, I couldn't couldn't get a, a socket on it real square the way that I wanted to. And I ended up rounding it off. Oof. And uh, so now I've, I've kind of got, you know, that mess on top of having to do the wheel bearing and the the uh, the axle seal in it, but I'm looking at, at options to uh, to replace that plug with, and, and evidently Andy and I were talking about uh, going with these these low pro, low pro plugs and, and you know using magnetic plugs. So that the, uh, for the fill, um, they're different sizes, if I recall. So if you get a drain, I don't think the drain plug will fit in the fill plug. I think you're. I don't know if that's going to work, man. Going to have to order a pair of them. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you've got a welder there at the house, so I think that um, you, you might have to make that hole in the diff cover or in the uh, diff armor a little bit bigger and tack something on there to try and get it out. Maybe try and drill it up. A left well, hand and trying not to get chips inside. I went ahead and, and actually pulled the uh, the diff skid off. It, it was just a bolt on bolt oh, on okay. skid, so I've I've yep. got it off. Oh, and cool. uh, my my plan at the moment is is to to weld a nut over top of the over top yeah. of the bolt and see if I can get onto it and get it get it out that way. But yeah, uh, I guess that's another good argument for the crush sleeve because I'm sure that helps with it. You know, keeping keeping it from seizing in place yeah getting steel on steel and it just yeah freezing i, I don't know i might be talking out my hiney on that one yeah but uh i'll uh we'll 
we'll talk about that more when I actually get get around to getting that project get to done. the job. Yeah, <laughs> not, not exactly. well, that's a bummer. That, but um, I'm pretty sure. That, yeah, not just the not that just the, the the heads are different, but that the actual thread sizes are different on the on the two plugs. Well, don't just, quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they are. Just. Uh, throwing out another plug to the interview that we just played i i had noticed on wits End's website that he carries those low pro, low pro uh i know it had the drain drain plugs because it said uh magnetic but i don't remember whether there's a difference for the uh for the fill plugs or not but i will uh, i'll be getting in touch with joey and finding out I don't think anybody uses a magnetic fill plug. I mean, the well, it doesn't really get that high it, that often. It wouldn't wouldn't need it for the fill plug for sure. But yeah. Well, I seen him on his website a minute ago. I know they're there. Yeah, there. Dig around. See um, I know All Pro has them. Uh, I'm sure other people do. Just off the top of my head, the one I have, I ordered from them back in 2008 when this vehicle was new. I uh, I got the first thing I did was magnetic oil pan plug, magnetic train plugs uh, in everything. And uh, I didn't do the transfer case. I, I think I just did the two diffs and the the, the uh, oil pan. And so, um, it, you know, I, I never really think about it. And... <laughs> Um, but I've heard of quite a few people having issues with the, the fill plugs, especially in the front. The front more so than than the rear, for some reason. Yeah, I know the uh, the front in my Forerunner. I had a had a really difficult time getting it out at one point, and I replaced it with uh, with a new plug-in gasket. And I've had it in and out several times since then without without issue. Um, I think the first time I took it out was probably the first time that plug had ever been been out of the differential. So it was still had the factory Toyota sealant on it. Uh, wow! But yeah, you know the average average consumer um, that they take it to the dealership, and I'm crapping on all dealerships, but it's pretty common for them to just ignore the front diff, especially on some soccer mom. You know, because they probably never engage four-wheel drive. Right, right. Well, like I said, it's uh, it is a looming project that I'll uh, be digging into sooner <laughs> sooner than later. I, I'm literally digging into. Yes, yes. I'm already already missing the FJ, so it's uh, it's not going to be be able to sit too long. I. I I've got a lot of vehicles, but I have some that I like better than than others, and the uh, the FJ is kind of ranks right up there at the top for a daily driver. So I got to. Uh, They're a ton of fun to drive. People, you know, there's those out there that hate them, and uh, but they are a ton of fun to drive. Well, it uh, like I said, it's it's my favorite out of out of all of them. Well, one of my favorites out of all of them. I own. I, I like all of them, but uh, I I enjoy that one a bunch. So. But uh, anyway, we we keep anyway. rambling on here. Um, nah, it's Toyota talk. It's all good. Do we uh, do we have anything else? Nope, that's it. Um, do we want to talk about Patreon a little bit? We we need to. Uh, we do need to to make a mention of Patreon for sure. 
Um, so, folks, we started up a Patreon, and if you don't know what that is, it is a sort of a crowdfunding thing, but it's not just the beg for money thing because we, that's just not that's not us to just beg for your money. I actually think we tried begging for money, Jason, and it didn't work. So uh, not, not well, no. <laughs> um, well, so what we're, we're going to try? What we're going to try is um, actually working for the money. How about that? Huh? Uh, so what Patreon lets you do is, if you support the podcast, we do things in return. We will cover a particular event or whatever. These are goals we'll set, and we don't have them set now, but we will set them in the future. Um, you know, with this season ending, there's not a, not a lot, but you can expect to see a goal campaign uh, early next year. Um, <coughs> the the way this works is, you become a patron, you support. It could be a dollar a month, it could be five dollars a month, it could be fifteen dollars a month. We have a couple tiers set up, and uh, this money goes to. Obviously, supporting the month-to-month expenses, such as web hosting and and things like that. Um, but as we delve deeper into this, uh, it's going to support audio and video equipment for the show, improving sound quality, getting more video content, um, helping to get us to events to cover them, and get more live footage of uh, events that we're covering, things like that. Um, in return, you know, we'll, uh, anyone who supports us will always mention your name on the podcast every episode. Um, as we get swag, you will get swag. Um, we'll have different tiers for that, um, you know, starting, you know, with simple things like stickers and going up from there. So that's another good way to get a sticker or more. Um, we also have, um, and this sort of came with Discord. We or came with Patreon. They gave us a uh, exclusive Discord uh, access. And what Discord is? It's an online sort of chat, social media thing, and it's free. You can put it on your phone or your computer, and you can get on there and have uh, voice chat with with each other and with us and and the. What we're going to do with this is have call-in shows where you can call in and ask us questions or, you know, call us names or whatever you want to do. <laughs> so, uh, and that'll be in the future, you know, probably over the winter we'll, we'll start uh, fooling around. Maybe we'll try our first call-in show and, and see how that goes, <laughs> see if it's a complete disaster. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, that'll help us do some, some live streaming with some live call-ins. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we can sit and have our little cold beverage chat there and talk about Toyotas with our listeners. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be a lot of a lot of fun as time goes along and and kind of uh, kind of moving in that direction. Yeah, it's true. All the cool kids are doing it now, and uh, we're we're not the cool kids, but um, we like some of the stuff the cool kids are doing. Sure. Sure. We, you know, at least want to act like we're a part of things. So, yeah, you know, can't be completely boomer. We have to, you know, move into tech, new technology a little bit. Right. Right. <clears throat> but so that's what it's all about. 
And if you want to get involved, we'll provide you the link. It's uh, I can tell you now it's patreon.com slash T-T-A-T, like most of our other stuff. And uh, or you could just go on there and search for Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast. And uh, we've got three patrons supporting us now. Jason, would you like to read their names? Uh, yes. Um, give me just a second. <laughs> do you here. still have the names? I do. <laughs> we prepared this before the show. We're like, we got to bring the names. Bring the names. Well, if I can find them here, I've got them. Um, so far, we have th- we have three patrons or uh, patrons, however you. W- what's the right verbiage for that? Anyway, I, that, it's patrons, but pat- yeah, patrons. Okay, uh, first one is is uh, Andy Ridge. And want to say thanks to Andy for uh, thanks Andy for helping us out. Um, Anderson Carlisle, uh, Anderson. Thanks, ste- Anderson. Can we call up. him Andy? Uh, I, I, I would assume, but I, I would hate to assume. So we'll say Anderson. And uh, the last one is is Regina Hoffman. So um, she sounds familiar. She does, and, and probably more so to me, considering it's my wife. So. Um, <laughs> I, I probably have the uh, the most su- supportive wife in, in in the world. It, it's not enough, you know, that we uh, money for the podcast has been coming out of the checking account on a regular basis for the past three years. But when uh, when she found out we were doing this, she wanted to uh, she wanted to do that as well. So thank you to and, and uh, to my sweet I, wife. Yeah, thank you to all of you for for believing in us. And and again, you know, this is something we're growing. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, th- we love doing this podcast. It's been something we've just done out of our pocket for years and we probably always, you know, will, but, um, anything to help us improve things, you know, we still, we still work for a living just like everybody else. We're just regular working schmoes. So, uh, we, uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we can, we can help improve the show and, and again, not just beg for money, but offer something in return. Yeah. Um, don't, we've never wanted to do that. So we'll, uh, we'll get them some things going where we're, you know, we're offering folks that, uh, that help us out, offering them some cool stuff and, and, uh, try to make it enticing enough that everybody wants to, uh, wants to be a part of that club so the cool kid club the cool kid club <laughs> right well i think that's a wrap all righty um folks if you want to get a hold of us you can do so through our website as we mentioned at toyotatrucksandtrails.com you can send us an email to toyotatrucksandtrails at gmail.com uh, follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash TTAT Podcast. We're on Instagram at Toyota Trucks and Trails. Um, we're also on Twitter at TTAT Podcast. Um, go to our YouTube channel and check it out. I, I actually got an, a new video uploaded a week or so ago. Uh, just kind of some conversation and some cool pics and that kind of stuff of... Uh, of my trip up to Coal Mine Cruiser Classic to the Expo Expo ride at Coal Mine Cruiser Classic, um, and I've got some some other videos uh, uh, finished up and ready to to upload as soon as I have enough uh, internet service to uh, 
to get that done. So look for some some cool stuff coming there. You don't want to miss it. Go to uh, go to YouTube and and subscribe to the channel. Um, Rich, I think that's it. Unless I'm unless I'm forgetting something, buddy. Nope, that's it. Um, that's uh, that's that's it. That's a wrap. All righty. Well, folks, thank you for checking out the the episode. Um, we will uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with hopefully something equally as entertaining as and as exciting as this, this episode is. <laughs> 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 I think we're getting a little tired. Okay, <laughs> let's wrap it up. All righty. Thanks, folks. Uh, and, and as always, however you go about it, get out and enjoy your Toyota. Toyota.